Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle and I are at Whitmore Country Club for the Suntrip Automotive Group. Uh, Folds of Honor Golf Classic, Folds of Honor, an organization that provides educational scholarships to the spouses and children of military members who've fallen or been disabled while serving in the U.S. Armed Forces, and we are happy to be here and be part of Folds of Honor. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Randy. Yes, we're so thrilled to be out here and be partaking in this great golf tournament that supports a great cause, and uh, this is, I think, the second time we've been out here, and it's such an inspiring day, so I'm really glad to be here. Should be a lot of fun, and throughout the course of the morning, We've got quite a show for you coming up. We are going to talk to Will Carroll, the injury expert. Unfortunately, we need to talk to Will Carroll today. We have a lot of questions for Will Carroll today. (laughs) We we do. We're also going to talk to former Blue Jeff Brown. He's going to be out here at the tournament. Danny Mack and Chris Kerber will join us as well. But, Michelle, let's get started with the Cardinals yesterday at the ballpark, the third of three against the Chicago Cubs. And... Jack Flaherty starts for the Cardinals, and we're thinking, okay, things are going to be fine. He gets to the second inning. Nico Horner flies out. Jan Gomes with the double to left. Luis Rivas grounded into a fielder's choice, but then David Bodie walked, and Christopher Morell struck out swinging to bring Rafael Ortega to the plate. The one-two again by Flaherty. On the ground. Rafael Gorman. Flaherty gets out of it. Cup strand, the base is loaded. And Michelle... That was the 49th pitch for Jack Flaherty, and that was the last that we would see of him. And I wonder when we'll see him again, Randy. That's my big question coming into t- to today. Yes, we can talk about the game. Yes, we can talk about how the, the Cardinals should not be dropping two of three to the Chicago Cubs, even though it's a rivalry series. But what does the future look like for Jack Flaherty, and what does the future look like for the Cardinals without Jack Flaherty? After the game, Ali Marmol asked why Flaherty came out of the game after the second. He came in after that second inning said uh, nothing was hurting, had a dead arm, nothing was coming out the way he wanted it to. A little stiff, but uh, nothing in the same spot that we've been working on this whole time. So we weren't going to risk it. We took him out. And so where did Mike Maddox and Ali Marmol and the Cardinal training staff go from there? More dead than anything. And... um, just a little stiff, but no, nothing reoccurring from what he was experiencing before. I don't know which thing troubles me more. 
if it's not connected to the previous injury, that means it's a whole other issue that we're going to have to dive into and worry about. Or if it is connected to the previous injury, is this something that is not going to be able to be overcome and or will continue to persist? It has serious Mulder vibes. This is exactly what happened to Mark Mulder. And he even came in early in games and said, I have a dead arm. Exact same thing. And it essentially ended his career with the Cardinals. And when we talk about that, when we talk about long-term, Ali Marmol, could this be long-term? It's hard for me to even speculate right now. Um, I'm sure we'll see the docs here shortly and tomorrow and have a much better idea as to what we have on our hands. So, Michelle, what Flaherty said he had, and like Ali said, this appears to be in a different spot. When Flaherty was shelved early this season, for the first 10 weeks of the season, he had a slap tear. John Moselec said that he was being shelved with a slap tear. Uh, Flaherty went on social media and said, LOL, I've been pitching with a slap tear for my entire career. A slap tear is an injury to the labrum, a shoulder is a ball and socket joint. So you think about the ball going into, just put a you put your palm out and then make a fist and think about that ball going into the joint. That's what the shoulder is. And the head of that upper arm bone fits into that rounded socket. And that socket, your, your hand, is called a glenoid. Surrounding the outside edge of that glenoid is a rim of strong fibrous tissue called the labrum. That keeps the the box the the ball in place and if you have a torn labrum that ball comes out of the socket Mm -hmm. and that and obviously if you're going to throw and throw hard it's going to have more and more of an effect you would think if your labrum is torn on that ball being able to stay in the socket so that if this is a continuation of the slap tear would be what Flaherty and the Cardinals would be dealing with. And we're going to talk to Will Carroll, as you mentioned, the injury expert later in the show, but it seems like a dead arm can be a symptom or a byproduct of that slap tear. That's exactly right. When uh, the, the, the symptoms are listed for a pitcher, a dead arm is one of the things. Uh, pitchers may notice a decrease in their throw velocity, which we have with Jack Flaherty since he came back, and we can attribute that to not being built up properly. He didn't have a spring training. Or the feeling of having a, quote, dead arm after pitching. So it it could be an issue, a further issue with the labrum, which is why it's so alarming. This is alarming. And I I don't want to say I expected him to have a stronger outing, Randy, but I didn't expect him to have... The, the severity of what we're seeing today and yesterday. I didn't expect it to be a dead arm type situation. I was more worried about him to be completely transparent from a mental standpoint because, you know, coming, coming back from an injury is different for everybody. And a lot of people might have a hard time getting over that hurdle mentally because they might not want to exert themselves in a full manner because they're afraid of, of re-aggravating an injury. And it just seemed like the first two outings we saw from Jack Flaherty, yes, the command wasn't there. Yes, his stuff did not look like we expected it to, but you saw the body language. You saw him shaking his head. It almost looked like he was more bothered by not getting out of his own head than necessarily what was happening with his arm and the injury. And I was wondering how those two connected. So to find out yesterday that it's just completely physical, that's troubling. And if you look at history, 
a lot of Cardinal fans will note that Chris Carpenter came back from a labrum injury. It took three years. Mark Appel was called up by the weekend over the Phillies. He had a labrum injury. It took five years Ooh. for him to come back to the majors. He actually retired for three years. And so if you do come back from a labrum injury, it's an injury that doctors haven't figured out, it's a, a serious comeback. Not many guys have done it. The percentage is extraordinarily low and hopefully this is something that the Cardinals will be able to handle without surgery because they do they're so conservative. Doctors not just the Cardinals. Doctors are so conservative because once you cut into that labrum it's almost impossible to come back. Well, we spoke about this with Adam Wainwright last week, and he was saying that he was living, breathing proof that sometimes you can rehab an injury mm-hmm. and that surgery isn't the best option. And it's obviously up to the the organization, the player, the medical staff to determine that decision. But, Randy, I saw a lot of people making comments about he wasn't ready, the Cardinals rushed him back, this is a byproduct of that. And I almost have the opposite stance here. I'm glad, first of all, he said he felt healthier than he did in three years. He had gone out, done his rehab starts. At some point, the Cardinals are going to have to let him go. They're going to have to take him off the leash and allow him to go out there and pitch. But the, the timing of this, I think, is actually beneficial for the Cardinals because it's before the trade deadline. You really have a sense of what your team is, and you now know that you can't really expect Jack Flaherty to be, no. Jack Flaherty to be a part of the equation in the second half. And I am of the opinion, Michelle, I was thinking about this on the drive here to Whitmore this morning. If ever there was a, a situation in which the Cardinals should overpay to get what they need. It's for a quality starting pitcher Not right now. I'm not talking about going out and getting John Lester and Jay Happ at the deadline. I'm, I'm talking about going out and getting a front-of-the-rotation guy. In two years, you're going to have 35, 36 legitimate Major League players. Think about this. You're going to have Jordan Walker and Arenado at third. You're going to have Mason Wynn and Tommy Edmund at short. You're going to have, you you may have Paul DeYoung around. We don't know, but you're going to have Nolan Gorman and Brendan Donovan at second. You're going to have Goldschmidt around. You're going to have Alec Burleson. You're going to have O'Neill. You're going to have Bader. You're going to have uh, Dylan Carlson. Uh, you've got more guys on the way. Jo- John Thomas is, uh, is down there in the minors. Uh, you've got a lot of young pitching on the way. McGreevy has pitched really well at the minor league level for the Cardinals, although we've seen how Cardinal young pitchers have done lately. I, 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 I will acquiesce as to that. My point being that if you have all of this young talent that the Cardinals really like and Major League Baseball really likes, maybe, and by the way, you don't even have Yadier Molina right now, but maybe you're in a situation where you can overpay to try to win in the last years of Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols. You know what I'm going to say, Randy. I say it every Go time. It. If not now, when? When, right. If not now, if, th- if not this this team, this collection of players, you're a game back behind the Brewers. This is a division that you should win, and you should be putting yourself in the best position to go out and win a World Series. If not now, when? And one of the one of the problems the Cardinals have is that when you lose two of three to the Cubs, when you lose two of three to the Orioles, a team like Arizona all of a sudden feels like, well, we can make the playoffs. <laughs> so they're going to be less likely to trade a Bumgarner or a Kelly because they're thinking maybe we should be buyers because St. Louis isn't that good. Or the asking price goes up. It sure does. So anyway, Jack Flaherty's out of the game. We get to the bottom of the third inning. The Cardinals are already up 2 nothing, And Brendan Donovan, Roy Hobbs, steps in. <laughs> High drive into deep right. Ortega back at the wall. As he did far. High, towering drive. 
second home run this year. After Donovan, it was the MVP. How about back to back? Back to back. Oh, just a laser out to left. Man, oh man. Home run number 18, Goldie. And we're all laughing at that point. The Cardinal dugout is laughing. They're having a great time. Arenado flies out, Gorman grounds out, and Juan Yepes steps in. There's the expanded playoffs now. Hammered down the left field line. It is gone! Yepes just to the left of Big Mackland. The third home run in this inning. And the Cardinals pouring it on. 5 nothing Cardinals heading to the fourth, but then Nick Wickren struck, and <laughs> he, he allowed four runs in an inning. It was not great. Uh, Johan Oviedo uh, reverted to form. He allowed a run in his inning in two-thirds, and the Cardinals wound up losing 6-5. to five. Yeah, you were saying everyone was laughing, and I was thinking, not so fast, my friends. <laughs> not so fast, my friends. A lot, of, a lot of game left to play. And I know that it's a, it's a rivalry weekend. And we talked about this on Friday, how sweet it is when you're the underdog in a rivalry and you get to go into the opposition's stadium and beat them. But this Cubs team should not be taking two out of three no. from you. Even when Jack Flaherty is getting pulled from the game that early, they lost 12 of 14. They won, they won a couple games. And then they just lost three or four to the Pirates. This is not a team, regardless of rivalry, that you should be losing two out of three to. No, that is inexcusable. And the race is going to be tough, Michelle. We, we know that. And I said this beforehand, and I don't think you disagreed. During spring training, I was saying, hey, there's at least six, maybe seven teams better than the Cardinals. And things are being handed to the Cardinals on a silver platter, and they aren't picking off what they the, the little piece of sushi that they should be picking off and gobbling down. Sushi, huh? Yeah. I thought you were going to go cherries. They oh, should have been cherry, cherry, cherry picking yeah. wins when they can. That's yeah, that's a good one, too. <laughs> anyway, the Cardinals fall 6-5, and as Michelle said, there's no reason for this team at this point to not be in first place with the way and by the way Milwaukee has gotten through the tough part of their schedule and they're still in first place the Brewers will play two coming up here against Tampa and then their schedule gets back to being easy but we we talked about the Cardinals having an easy part of their schedule and the Brewers having to deal with what the Cardinals had to deal with well the uh the, the Brewers get through the Padres, and they, they only win one of four against the Padres, and they struggled against Philadelphia, but then they go and play the Mets, win one of three, handle Cincinnati by winning three in a row, split with the Cardinals, and then over the weekend took two of three from Toronto. But after Tampa, Michelle, they have four against Pittsburgh, three against the Cubs, three against uh, Pittsburgh at home, and then uh, two-gamer at Minnesota before going to San Francisco to wind up before the All-Star break. Milwaukee's through the tough part of their schedule, and they're in first place. With a lot of guys injured, yep. too, by the way. And they're going to start getting guys back. So the Cardinals better uh, figure out what they need to do yeah, uh, right. down the stretch here. And if I'm the front office, I, I've been making calls since yesterday. I'm yep. checking out we the know. landscape from from a starting pitcher standpoint, from a, from a bullpen standpoint. I need to make sure that I fortify myself and this team yep. for the second half. A uh, couple of other quick notes for you. Number one, well, let's just provide one note for you. One of the great dynasties in the history of sports uh, appears to have come to an end with last night's Pat Maroon loss to the Colorado Avalanche. He had won 14 consecutive series. Only two franchises have ever won more consecutive series than St. Louis and Patrick Maroon did. 
You know what? Pat Maroon, yeah. great run. Great run. We're proud of you. We're proud yeah. of you. Hate to see it come to an end, especially to the team that it did last night. Yeah, and uh, congratulations to the Lightning on a terrific run winning back-to-back the Stanley Cups. And by the way, Colorado lost four games in the playoffs. Two of those were to the Blues. Blues were dominating in game three when Kadri uh, clipped Biddington and... Pretty much everybody in hockey that I've talked to says, yeah, the Blues, at the very least, they were going to take that series to the limit if not win it. Does that make you feel better or worse? Feel better that they could have won and circumstances stopped them from winning? Or does it make you feel better that the team that beat them became the inevitable or the the champion at the end? I would rather beat them. Yeah, me too, Randy. (laughs) But does it make you feel any better that the team that beat them was the best team in hockey? Not that team. Me too. Part of me feels that way but i also feel like i feel more confident in them and Mm -hmm. what army needs to do this offseason knowing that they're in a really good spot to compete again next year that's michelle i'm randy we are at the centrip automotive group folds of honor golf tournament at whitmore country club coming up start one bench one cut one on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. Character and Smallman. Solid athlete, solid arm. Start one. Warm up. You're going in. Bench one. Mediocre. Hit the shower. Cut one. You're off the team. I do head. What? It's start one, bench one, cut one on Character and Smallman. Happy with us on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. We're at Whitmore Country Club, the Center Automotive Group Folds of Honor Golf Tournament. We just ran into Rocky Sickman. And if you're driving down the road, you don't know who Rocky Sickman is. He was one of the U.S. hostages held in Iran in the late 70s, 1980-81. Just a great guy. And Michelle, uh, you're going to dive into this later, I know. But uh, he's a guy that was held for 444 days in Iran. Unimaginable. Yeah. What a what a tough person. <laughs> Probably the toughest person I'll ever meet. Yeah, he, I, I would think that any Ooh. of us would ever meet. So uh, Rocky is here. He's uh, he does a lot for Folds of Honor, and he's he's just a great 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 guy. All right, time for start one, bench one, cut one on one hundred and one ESPN. Michelle, devastating injuries. Chris Carpenter to the Cardinals in two thousand twelve. Jordan Binnington to the Blues in twenty twenty two. Or Jack Flaherty to the Cardinals in 2022. Okay, I am going to put. That's where your optimism level is here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put Jordan Bennington number one. I'm gonna start Benner, just because he was maybe it's also recency bias, but I truly believe had he been healthy, the Blues would be hoisting the cup. Mm-hmm. We would have be having a different headline in hockey this morning. I'm gonna put Chris Carpenter second. I'm gonna bench him because. He was the ace, and that was a devastating blow to a really, really good team. And I'm going to put Jack Flaherty third, Randy. I'm going to cut the Jack Flaherty injury only because mentally I, I'm i not surprised by this. Those other two were were more shocking and upsetting. Jack Flaherty, I, of course, hoped would come back healthy. But after his first two starts, I, I didn't really expect yesterday to be all that different i thought there might be some gradual progress but i didn't expect him to come out yesterday and look like jack flaherty from 2019 i am going to switch things up here and initially i was thinking about going the exact same direction you're going 
But I think it, with a healthy Chris Carpenter, the Cardinals go back-to-back in 11 and 12. Wow. Uh, they, he lost the, the clincher to San Francisco out there in the NLCS. If the Cardinals play the Tigers in the, uh, in the World Series in 2012, I think they beat them and go back-to-back. So I'm going to start Carpenter in 2012. By the way, we never saw him pitch again after that game. I am going to bench Pennington because I, I'm with you. I think the Blues, at the very least, beat Colorado and have a chance against Tampa. Uh, they beat Edmonton and have a chance against Tampa. And then I am uh, I'm going to play Sunshine Lollipops here and hope that uh, Jack Flaherty's shoulder injury isn't as bad as we think it is. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, then I might shake up my start one, bench one, cut one for you because I was going to throw Jack Flaherty in the mix. But if you're feeling Sunshine Lollipops, I'm going to I'm going to put him on the shelf that, for this one. That's that's my uh, my head is not sun, Sunshine Lollipops. My heart is Sunshine Lollipops. Well, I appreciate that, Randy, because yeah. my head and my heart are both doomsday <laughs> right now, Broken. which is not great. Okay. Start one, bench one, cut one. Young Cardinals pitchers who were supposed to be the next guy that Adam Wainwright and Chris Carpenter passed the baton to. We're going to go Michael Waka, Carlos Martinez, Alex Reyes. Ooh, I like all of these. This is good. Okay, I'm going to... Uh, I am going to start Carlos Martinez. This was baby Pedro. Mm-hmm. Even Pedro Martinez said that he had the stuff and the ability to do what Pedro had done. So I'm, I'm going to start him. I am going to bench Alex Reyes. He was a front of the rotation, number one, number one. He was supposed to be Max Scherzer. He was supposed to be that guy, big, strong, powerful. And it sounds kind of weird to put Michael Walker out, out to pasture here, uh, figuratively speaking, obviously, because he's back. But and pitching I, well yeah, and healthy. I, I, I'm, I'm going to cut Walker because I don't think that he was hyped the way the other two were. His hype came after he actually made it to the major leagues. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go Reyes, Martinez, Waka. Or uh, Martinez, Reyes, Waka. I'm going to start Alex Reyes because at least what I remember was Alex Reyes and Oscar Tavares always being touted as the future. And you, you couldn't talk about one necessarily without the other. They were always, this is going to be the pitcher of the future. This is going to be the position player of the future. This is going to be the next Adam Wainwright and Chris Carpenter. This is going to be the next Albert Pujols. And so, and, and just to think of how many injuries he has sustained and how many times we thought that he might be in the clear and that we might be able to see him be healthy and really be able to be great. It's just been such a disappointment and my heart breaks for him. I'm going to put um, Carlos Martinez as the bench and I'm going to cut Michael Walker too. Even though after he, what was that, the Pirates series in the postseason, mm-hmm. we all thought, wow, yeah. this is good. He looks just like Adam Wainwright. This is going to be the next guy. We had high hopes for him as well. Isn't it amazing how baseball cannot make a young, healthy pitcher. People, and I get it because we're hyper-focused on the Cardinals. People say, well, the Cardinals just can't keep young pitchers healthy. Nobody can. Where's Jacob deGrom right now? What happened to Noah Syndergaard? Look at Walker Bueller right now. Tony Gonsolin was injured for a year. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball right now. Baseball can't keep young pitching healthy. And I think back to the to the time of Bob Gibson, Randy, where guys were going complete games and had long, fruitful careers. 304 innings in a season. You know what I mean? And, I, and I'm thinking, if I'm baseball and I see someone has the talent, I need to be adjusting how, how they're throwing and what their training is like and how we're deploying them because clearly something is wrong with what's happening with all of these this next generation of young pitchers. No doubt about it. All right, Matthew is with us back at the station. Uh, he's got the Tech 65780. Matthew how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I have one thing before we get to some text, though. Yes, sir. Sunshine, lollipops, and green. Mm-hmm. See, there we go. 
My heart says sunshine lollipops. I appreciate that, Randy. Thank you for having a little beacon of sunshine on this Monday morning. There we go. Start one, bench one, cut one. Starting pitching trade targets for the Cardinals. Montas, Mad Bum, Pineda. I, I, I'm going to start Mad Bum. I was going to say you're still going there, huh? Yeah. He's got the postseason pedigree. Uh, he, he's not the strikeout pitcher that he was before, but if I'm going to have a guy pitching in the playoffs for me, which is what I'm getting him for, I want him. I like what Montas has done, and he's had a good year this year, so I'm going to bench Frankie Montas, and then I am going to cut who is my third guy? I'm cutting him either way. Yeah, Michael Pineda has been hurt. He's never done it in the playoffs, so yeah, he's an easy cut for me. I also look back to last season with Lester and Hap and how we thought, oh, man, these guys are kind of at the tail end of their careers. We don't think that they're going to be able to give much to the Cardinals. And then they were able to come in, work with Mike Madison, the staff, and they were both um, amazing for the Cardinals. We They gave us so much more than um, was expected. And I'm wondering if Mad Bum might be the same. Michelle, it only takes one thing. You get here, you sit in the dugout, and Adam Wainwright says, man, you're great. And then all of a sudden you turn great. That's all we need is Adam. That's what, that's what happened with those guys. That's true. Mad Bum knows he's great. Yeah. And they look alike. They get confused with each other. Mason Saunders. <laughs> yeah. <Adam Wainwright. laughs> there you go. Star one, bench one, cut one. Blues goaltenders, Curtis Joseph, Jordan Biddington, Grant Fuhrer. Oh, that's so tough. It's Love not. all those guys. I know who you're starting. We're all starting the same guy. The guy who won the Stanley Cup? Yeah, yeah right. okay. We're gonna start. <laughs> we'll start the guy who won the Stanley Cup in Jordan Bennington. Um, I got to bench Curtis Joseph. Growing up in my era, loved Cujo. Loved Grant Fuhrer, too, though. Um, but I think I'll have to start Benner, bench Cujo, cut Grant Fuhrer. Yeah. Cujo was a blue, even though in Canada, because he played so much for Toronto, he's known as a Maple Leaf. I, I think of Cujo as a blue. I think of Grant Fuhrer as an oiler. So I'm going bitter. I'm going Cujo. And then I'm going to cut to Grant Fuhrer as well. Start one, bench one, cut one. MASH, Seinfeld, Friends. I'm sorry, Michelle. You might have to sit this one out. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen two of the three. And I think Friends is the most overrated show of all time. You've so. never seen MASH? No. Oh, no. Never seen MASH. Never seen Seinfeld. I've seen one Seinfeld episode. Um, the one with the pen. And that was a long time ago. That's a good episode, though. It's a great uh, it was funny. Episode. It was funny. I'm not anti Seinfeld. I just never sat down and watched it. And again, I don't think Friends okay. is funny. I'm starting Seinfeld, which is incredibly funny, and they've never had a serious moment on the show, which is great. That's important to note that everything in Seinfeld was geared towards making you laugh. There was never, you know, they were never having babies or getting married or stuff like that. So, uh, but let, no alone, let, let alone sad stuff, they, they never had anything even serious. It was great. So, I, I, Seinfeld starts for me. I am going to uh, to bench friends, and I'm going to cut mash. Just not a, not a huge mash guy. Yeah. Oh, Star Seinfeld, Bench, Mash, Cut Friends. Although I think Friends has been... Friends is like the Nickelback where it's like, yeah, it might not be your cup of tea, but is it as bad as people have made it seem now? I don't know. It it played a role in the time that it came out, right? It was on Thursday... What was it? Thursday nights on NBC. Must see TV. It was good for network television at the time. But now that we've had so many other great comedy shows come out, I just don't think that Friends stands up. I would agree with that. Star one, bench one, cut one, 4th of July edition, fireworks, hot dogs, or the parade that festival, or a parade slash festival. Oh, man. Oh, this is so easy. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start hot dogs. And then the other two, you mentioned friends being overrated. The other two are like the most overrated things in the world. I am so not a parade person. I, I can't understand 
park, paying to park, standing in a crowd, and just watching people pass by you. Standing. I'm just not a, I'm Stand, not a parade person. Standing to watch people walk. You know, I might enjoy parades if I was on a float and I got to throw mm-hmm. beads or candy at, at people and, you know, get see the joy on their faces as I throw things to them in the crowd. Just not a parade person. Yeah, unless it's a blues championship parade, and then it's pretty good. Well, yeah, because then you're getting alcohol. Like that, yeah. And and you know what? I'd, I would have gone down and stood there for that. That's true. Um, I'm going to start fireworks. I'm going to bench a hot dog, and I'm going to cut the parade. I'm going to start the hot dog, bench the fireworks. I feel like if you've seen fire, one firework, you've seen them all. And then I'm going to I'm going to cut the parade also. That is true, but the, here's my thought process. You can have a hot dog any time of the year. It doesn't need to be 4th of July for you to have a hot dog. Whereas fireworks, yes, you can have fireworks at other times, but they seem like a, a very 4th of July thing. Don't they have a lot of fireworks in the city? You get to play a fun game when you live in the city. <laughs> Fireworks are gunshots. Who knows? <laughs> what is it? Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Hey, coming up on 101 ESPN, Michelle and I with our three things we love from the weekend here on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, three things that Character and Smallman loved about the weekend. And starting with number three, here's Michelle. Number three. Well, tough news for Philadelphia Phillies fans, Randy, over the weekend. In the top of the fourth inning in the game Saturday, Padres and Phillies. Uh, Bryce Harper was hit in the thumb by a 97-mile-an-hour fastball that was thrown by Blake Snell of the Padres. You could tell immediately that he was in pain. Something was wrong. Uh, He was later diagnosed with a fractured thumb, which is not the thing that I liked about the weekend, but he was really emotional in that moment. You could tell he was in a lot of pain, but he he settled down, and Blake Snell was saying that he was sorry in that moment, and Bryce Harper made sure before he left the field to say to Blake Snell, I know you weren't trying to do it. It's okay. And I just thought that was so classy of him and so great that he made sure to make sure that Blake Snell knew that it wasn't intentional. And it reminded me, Randy, of when Henesis Cabrera hit him in the head and he made sure to let Henesis Cabrera know that it was cool and that he knows that he wasn't trying to do it intentionally. And he's just a player that plays really hard and has a lot of personality, but I think it's so classy of him that not once, but twice, he went out of his way to let the opposition who hurt him know that it's okay and there's no hard feelings there. Yeah, we talk a lot about not seeing Mike Trout enough. I think even though he's on the East Coast and he won the MVP, I don't think we see enough or talk enough of Bryce Harper. He's he's awesome. He's he's a great player, but he's also a great representative for the sport, isn't he? He's a guy yes. that would be a great face of the sport. Absolutely. And we talk a lot about kids watching the game and how these people are supposed to be role models for kids. How many times when you're a kid do they talk about sportsmanship and about respecting the opposition and 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 wanting to actually humanize people? Bryce Harper has been a great example of sportsmanship multiple times in his career. Michelle, my number three is also about a great guy because there is not a ton of loyalty in sports these days. But we raise him well here in St. Louis, and we get the Boge bomb over the weekend that Bradley Beal is likely to decline his option with the Wizards and sign a new five-year deal with cool. Washington, where he really has not won and hasn't really, they haven't shown a propensity to be able to win. But 
He is a wizard. Now, yes, he's going to get $248 million. That'll take him through age 33. But a, a guy that a fan base can cling to and hope with is Bradley Beal. And I love seeing that loyalty from him to the organization. A lot of guys, when they had the opt-out, have left and gone to other organizations, but not Bradley Beal. So he's my number three. I wish he wasn't so loyal. <laughs> yeah, right. He, yeah, didn't. Uh, didn't give them the benefit of the doubt. But from a from a fan standpoint, you say, okay, we got a guy that we can count on being here that likes us. I want him to somehow play with Jason Tatum, Randy. I want him to – and or – find a way to get to a team where he's going to win. You talk about guys we don't see enough in the mm-hmm. in diff- different leagues. We need to see more of Bradley well, Beal. We have seen players that decided they didn't want to be somewhere. We're looking at you, Mr. Beard, and decided <laughs> to be a jerk and get out. True. And, and at least to this point, Bradley Beal has never been a jerk. Well, I hope they put together a great team I around him to really give him a chance at going for it. And by the way, how about uh, I'll give you a co-number three. How about Lillard putting up the Photoshop of he and uh, Kevin Durant what wearing the Blazers job. jerseys? I love yeah. it. Just getting everybody to, what do they always say? This league. Yeah, exactly. They just love <laughs> to stir the pot. Number two. We just talked about fireworks, Randy, and 4th of July is right around the corner, but some fireworks yesterday in the Mariners-Angels game, a full-team brawl in the second inning. Tensions started in the first inning when Andrew Wance threw a pitch behind the head of Julio Rodriguez, and then in this, that was in the first inning, and then in the second inning, he hit Jesse Winker, and it was game on opportunity to get through the lineup a few more times and he has pitched out of the pen in Salt Lake and he just hit Winker Erica with the first pitch Scott Service is calling for him to be thrown out of the game and Winker Winker is trying to get towards Phil Nevin and the Angels and the benches have cleared and Justin Upton comes in and we have chaos it's just a mass of humanity on both sides. And you felt the tensions coming in, and it's it carried over for sure. And you got Shohei Otani in there, Mike Trout, the entire team. I'm seeing players on the Mariners wanting to keep this going, like Suarez, Eugenio Suarez, Julio Rodriguez. And you just have four umpires doing their best to try to break this up, and it's it's near impossible. You did feel badly for the umpires who had no chance (laughs) trying to break this up. But a lot of times, Randy, we see baseball fights that aren't really fights. It's more jawing at each other. It's a lot of posturing. This was an all-out benches-clear brawl that went on for about three minutes. Uh, A bunch of players got tossed from this game. Uh, Rysel Iglesias came back out onto the field to throw a huge container of sunflower seeds and gun. The best baseball thing I've ever seen. You can give me freeze. You can give me we will see you tomorrow night. Rysel Iglesias throwing the sunflower seeds and gum out on the field and then it being on in slow motion. Best thing I've ever seen. It's one of the best videos out there. If you haven't seen it, go to social media, check it out because the slow-mo version of it, it's it's like a track and field, like a javelin throw. I, I want to get someone to break that down because he really goes for it. He, he sprints out of the dugout. He plants his foot. He tosses it like the shot put. I was surprised with the distance he got. I'm yeah, not going to lie. That, fantastic. that couldn't have been light either. There no. was a lot of stuff on that, yeah. whatever it was called, the the box that he yeah. threw it in. But it, it was just a very, we don't promote violence on the show or fighting. But it, as far as baseball fights are concerned, this one was entertaining. Now, if you are a member of the Mariners and you, you turn and you face forward and all of a sudden Mike Trout is standing there. 
<laughs> do you just move on to the next guy? I think so. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I say next. <laughs> Michelle, my next one, number two, is the continued success of Brendan Donovan, a.k.a. Roy Hobbs. Over the weekend against the Cubs, four for ten with a homer. High drive into deep right. Ortega back at the wall. It's gone. Hit it as high as he did far. High towering drive. Brendan Donovan in his second home run this year. He also drove in three over the weekend. He scored a couple of runs. He continued a streak of never having a major league extra base hit in which his helmet didn't fly off to <laughs> reveal those golden locks. Love That's it. spectacular. Great hustle, great versatility. Uh, Brendan, when Arenado and Goldie are coming up, please don't get thrown out. That's, that's not a negative. It's not a criticism, just a, a request. But Michelle for the year, hitting 315, 426 on base, 449 slug. Brendan Donovan, man, he's a good player. Think about all the star power on this team, and I wonder how many people out there that are Cardinals fans watching the games have Brendan Donovan as their favorite player right now. I bet a lot do, yeah. I'm, how can you not like him? He is so fun to watch. We, we say this all the time. He's just a ball player. Yeah, he He's is. just a baseball player, this dude, and I think he's so fun, and uh, he's going to continue to have success, and the Cardinals need him. Number one. I'm going back to the brawl, Randy, because my favorite thing that happened from the weekend was a byproduct of the brawl. So, again, Jesse Winker was the one that was hit by Andrew Wance. He kind of started this entire brawl between the Mariners. Well, both of them did between the Mariners and the Angels. Again, 18 minute delay, six players, including Jesse Winker, that were ejected. Both managers got the boot as well. But on the way out, Jesse Winker went full double birds to the crowd. He was not happy. But, you know, there was a, a Mariners fan out there named Sophie, who on Twitter is known as Sophie Ballgame, who wanted to thank Jesse Winker for his role in this brawl. So she wanted to order him a pizza from Mountain Mike's Pizza. So she listed Angel Stadium as the delivery address, and she wrote a note on there, send this to the Visitor's Clubhouse. The pizza is for Jesse Winker. She live tweeted this as this was happening, including communication with her or her door dasher who actually got to Angel Stadium and she was she was telling him when you go up to the gate let them know you need to send this to the visitors clubhouse it needs to go to Jesse Winker he's providing updates for her and she's sending screenshots along the way saying if you somehow get this to Jesse Winker there is a big tip waiting for you at the end of this well sure enough she got it to him she got confirmation from her door dasher that it did in fact get into the clubhouse and they posted his Venmo he got a ton of money sent from a ton of people. <laughs> Jesse Winker actually DM'd her saying, I got the pizza. Thank That's you. Awesome. It was delicious. <laughs> That's awesome. So you never know, Randy, what's going to happen. You start the game, you get ejected because of, the, of a brawl, and then somehow you get a pizza from a fan. Delicious pizza out of it. That's fantastic. Michelle, my number one, you went back to the brawl. I'm going back to Bush Stadium and the return of the Cardinals-Cubs rivalry at the ballpark. Crowds this weekend of 46,000 on Friday, 45,000 on Saturday and Sunday. Both teams 
teams well represented in the stands, fun games for both fan bases. That part of the rivalry is the best part. And it was great to see our friends from Chicago back in town. They have missed during the COVID season in 2020 and really didn't make the trek here last year. So getting a real Cardinal Cub series and having the massive crowds after missing those two years was really cool for me to see. It's just a bummer that we sent them home happy. Yeah, we're going to have to go in there and win a couple because the Cardinals have to play two out of three against the the Cubs, Pirates, and Reds. The Cardinals are essentially going to have to go 36 and 18. or However, that would be 18 against both teams. I think they have 19 against two of those, so maybe 38 and, and 18. But you can't do that when you're only winning three out, or yeah, three out of five up there and winning one out of three here. Won't work. It won't. But you're right, Randy. There's nothing like rivalry weekend. Whenever the Cardinal schedule comes out, this is a weekend that most people circle when the Cubs come to town or if you want to make a trip to Wrigley. That's, that's what everyone's always looking for. And it's nice to see that it's back in, in full swing. And we talked about on Friday whether you like the Cubs to be good or not mm-hmm. and that adding some juice to the rivalry. Turns out they don't even have to be good to add juice no, to the rivalry. That's true. That's a trouble. That, that's a problem. That's a problem for the Cardinals. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it. Or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. We do appreciate your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It. Randy and Michelle at Whitmore Country Club. It's the Suntrip Automotive Group, Folds of Honor Golf Tournament. And, Michelle, we've read over the weekend that the NFL is considering a a full year or more ban for Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson for all of the allegations against him by various women in Houston. Apparently... Watson's defense team is going to say in an appeal, if he does get suspended, well, you didn't even punish Robert Kraft, and he was found by the feds on tape getting the exact same thing. Take it or leave it. Robert Kraft and Deshaun Watson should be treated the same way. I'm going to leave it because one person paid for it, and it was consensual. (laughs) And one person is paying the salaries of the players, too. He is one of the bosses. He is one of the bosses, but um, it there's a big difference between assault and a consensual transaction. Yes, there is. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm going to leave that. Okay. I, I don't know that Deshaun didn't pay for the massages, by the way. I, I, I'm not aware of whether or not he actually he paid, paid for a massage. He didn't yeah. pay for that type of massage. Right. Big difference. Uh, Randy, one thing we didn't talk about on Friday was that Texas is back. Arch Manning committing to the University of Texas. He is um, obviously in, he's the son of Cooper Manning, but he is the most highly touted quarterback prospect out there, and he chose the University of Texas. Now, I was reading over the weekend what his NIL valuation could be because Arch Manning was going to make a lot of NIL money no matter where he went, but we know how much money is going to be at the University of Texas. So the projected and or estimated NIL valuation for Arch Manning is $3.1 million. So I went and pulled up the salaries of NFL quarterbacks, and I just thought, let's just pick somebody right in the middle of the pack. Justin Fields is the 33rd highest paid NFL quarterback at $4.717 million. Take it or leave it, Arch Manning actually 
surpasses Justin Fields when it comes to money earned. I'm going to take that. I, I will. When uh, Quinn Ewers transferred from Notre Dame to Texas, and he got a million and a half to go to, uh, not, not Notre Dame, Ohio State, uh, played two downs for Ohio State and decided to transfer to Texas. The word in Texas was that he was going to get NFL first round money. Back in the first round is a $9 million signing bonus. So I'll absolutely take that for Coop, uh, for our Arch Manning, that, that he'll get more at some point than Fields does. If he's as good as they say he's going to be, they're going to want to put his name on everything. Yep, they are. And I know that he has the luxury and the, the privilege of coming from a family that's very well off, so he could probably be choosy with what he endorses. But I would imagine that for him to do something, to sign off on something, the price tag is going to be pretty high. Take it or leave it. Next year, Malachi Nelson gets more at USC than Arch Manning does from Texas. That one's really tough because USC and California, there's going to be a lot of money there, too. They're going to put guys in movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? They probably will. Um, But I don't know. There's just so much more that comes with Arch Manning. He's got the Manning mm-hmm. cachet. It's almost as if if he endorses something, by proxy, all of the Mannings, Mannings are endorsing something. Right. So I'm going to leave it just because of the family that he comes from. Yeah, it's amazing that he's, he's wound up at Texas. But I, I wonder if Texas will still be what they are, if they'll go 8-4 and four every year and then have their coach given signs to the opposing quarterback in a bowl game. Well, this was a big vote from what a lot of people consider to be America's first football family in Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. So let's see if they're right. (laughs) All right. To your tech, 65780. And what do we have, Matthew? Take it or leave it. Tommy Edmond wins a gold glove at shortstop and finishes top five in the Major League Baseball in war. I'm going to leave it. I think it'll be hard for him to win a gold glove at short. Uh, Although he made a spectacular play yesterday, and he's a really good defender. He is. But I, I just don't know that he has the the flash and style of some of the other guys playing. What about finishing top five in war? I can see that. Me absolutely. too. I, I I'm think, taking that. Yeah. He, he, if I'm not mistaken, he's still number one right now this year. If he keeps this up, yeah, he can absolutely finish top five in war. He's number one in baseball reference, number three in fan graphs. Nice. Uh, behind Machado and some other heavy hitter. Uh, so not too bad. Take it or leave it. If I think former- it's Mike Trout, actually. I think you're right. <laughs> not, not, not bad company. <laughs> Take it or leave it. If former Cardinal quarterback Jim Hart had played for the Steelers or the Cowboys, he'd be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame without question. Absolutely no question. No doubt about it. Dan Deardorff, too. If they had played for the Steelers or the Cowboys or the Raiders, they'd be in the Hall of Fame. And Jim Hart would have a couple of Super Bowl rings. <sighs> What's more of a what if for you? If he would have played on a different team or Steven Jackson would have played on a different team? Who do you think would have been better? I think if Jim Hart would have played on the Steelers, he would be iconic. If Steven would have played for... Let's say the Steelers. He he could have been. He could have been a latter-day Jerome Bettis. Wow. But I don't know if they would have consistently beaten the Patriots. And if he were on the Patriots, I don't think they would have kept him around. Good point. They <laughs> cycle through guys pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah, he probably, Jim Hart probably has like some like crazy like 3,500, 3,800-yard season, like late 70s that like breaks the NFL practically if he's on the Steelers. He team. was second all-time in passing yards when he retired. Wow. Yep. Uh, take it or leave it. Being an official from the game last night and having to go past Pat Maroon after, you met, after that missed trip that led to the... 
Av's second goal would have been one of the rougher parts to would have been one of the rougher de- things to do in life. Yeah, trip all over that. Yeah, I don't think officials care. <laughs> no, I don't think they do either. But I wouldn't want to see Pat Maroon in a in a dark hallway. No, uh, <laughs> if, I was if he's angry, right? If he's angry, he's just such a happy guy. He is, but I saw the fury in his eyes when he said, "You guys are bleeped." Yeah, that was great. You guys aren't going to believe this, but uh, John Mozeliak, uh not taking a, a a good good time here in, in the text box. I'm, Here's I'm one positive. Stunned. Here's yeah. one positive. Take it or leave it. Mo will find a reclamation project for a pitcher rather than trading for a legit starter. And they had me in the first half. Um, I'm leaving it. He's going for it, guys. Yeah, I would say so, too. And actually, Mozeliak has done pretty well with reclamation projects, too. If you don't like the reclamation projects that they brought in over the years, uh, uh, like Lackey, or, well, John Lackey is one of them. Uh, last year, Lester and, uh, and Jay Happ were pretty good. They brought in some guys that have done pretty well for them. Why are people mad at Mo today? Flaherty's not his fault. Is it a Whitgren thing? That could be. That's a reasonable Because I don't complaint. think it's reasonable to be mad at John Mozeliak that Jack Flaherty is injured. He didn't cause the, the lockout. Exactly. Right? If the Cardinals would have known during the lockout, they A, would have had an opportunity to diagnose the problem, and B, would have had a, an opportunity to address the problem via a transaction. So, so you're saying that the uh, to the take it or leave it that that reads John Mozeliak will be fired if the Cardinals don't make the playoffs this year. Maybe a little bit of an overreaction. Yeah, I would say so. I think he's okay. I'm gonna pose this to you. Take it or leave it. Army is the safest guy in town, but Mo is number two. Yeah, I'll take that. I think that's legit. More than any coach, any player, oh, yeah. I think that Army's number one. And I think people don't realize how safe John Mozeliak is. Yeah. Think about all the success he's had in his career. Right. He's safe, guys. Yeah. And you know what? In two days, his team could be in first place. So it's it's not like things are that bad. This guy's not falling. No. You could be, uh, you, you could have an order that says, hey, find something else. To, or what else are you going to do? You know, it's just the way it is. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. And yes, to answer your question, Michelle, uh, a lot of anger at the bullpen. <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. That I can understand. Yeah, I totally get that. Next up, we do want to hear from you. What is your reaction to uh, Jack Flaherty suffering that injury? And if you're the Cardinals, what do you do next? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinals lose Jack Flaherty after the second inning and 49 pitches yesterday at the ballpark in a 6-5 loss to the Chicago Cubs. Michelle and I are at Whitmore Country Club, the site of the Suntrip Automotive Group Folds of Honor Golf Tournament. And yesterday, Flaherty left after two with what he described to Ali Marmol as a dead arm. And Marmol asked if this could be a long-term issue for Flaherty. It's hard for me to even speculate right now. Um, I'm sure we'll see the docs here shortly and tomorrow and have a much better idea as to what we have on our hands. And 
Michelle, we both saw Jack Flaherty on the field yesterday and in his previous start. It looks like he's a frustrated guy. Ali Marmol, where is he mentally? More of a question for him to answer. It seems like uh, he's a little bit defeated and wanting to come back and be the guy that we know he's capable of being. Um, but it's not coming out the way he, uh, he or we wished it would at the moment. There we go. Is your microphone working? There we go. It should be up now. Am I there? Hello. There Hello. Yeah, there the microphone go. is on. There we go. Um, I feel badly for Jack Flaherty because he's got a lot of talent and it's got to be so frustrating for him. I think what Ali Marmol said, defeated is probably a great word. You have to feel at least some modicum of defeat when you put in the work to rehab your body, but your body is not responding for you. So I do feel really badly for him. And Jack pays attention. He knows how serious shoulder injuries are for pitchers and he has such high hopes for his career both on the field and off the field and to see it derailed like this after the COVID year and then the side last year and then the shoulder strain it's like come on let, let, let me just be healthy I'm, I'm 25 years old let me be healthy once I wonder if he and Alex Reyes are texting I wonder mm-hmm. if he and Michael Waka have talked I mean there how many times have we seen this with young Cardinals pitchers that are brimming with talent but the health just can't be there and I hope that he doesn't go the route of some of these other guys and I hope that he can in fact get healthy but it it doesn't seem encouraging to me at least for this season Randy I'm with you and we're going to talk to Will Carroll the the injury expert coming up later in the show but we do want to hear from you as well 65780 the air comfort service text line what's your take on Flaherty this morning Michelle from the 636, wait until Jack is healthy and put him on the trade market. He's talented, but he can't stay healthy. He had a great half of a season, but let's not pretend he's the next Bob Gibson. Also, he doesn't want to be in St. Louis, so why don't the Cardinals try and get what they can for him? Well, if you're another general manager and you know this history, why would you want to give up a premium for a pitcher like that? I wouldn't. Also, when, is it, when did he ever say that he doesn't want to be here? Yeah, I don't think he's ever given that indication. Just because he's from California and there were talks that he might want to go home, those words have never directly come out of his mouth. Right, and he... At least publicly. No, no, (laughs) and he is money motivated, but my point right now is he needs to get... If he's going to get a free agent contract, if he's going to get traded... He's not going to do it while he's hurt, and he knows that. Right. First thing he needs to do is get healthy and get pitching. From the 618, now that Flaherty is down again, the Cardinals have got to go get a starter and a reliever if they're truly all in. Seriously, I don't know how Madison Bumgarner isn't a perfect fit for the Cardinals. I'm with you 100%, and they have a reliever, too, in Ian Kennedy, who was a free agent. And by the way, uh, a lot of complaints about the Cardinal bullpen. This has been a horrible year for free agent relievers. They're, uh, the, the guys that I wanted, I, Michelle, I wanted Joe Kelly. You knew that. Yep. I wanted to get Adam Adovino back. I wanted Archie Bradley. I wanted Ryan Tapera. Tapera's got an ERA of about four. But if you look around the free agent uh, relievers that were signed this offseason, about 2% are having any level of success around baseball, not just with the Cardinals. From the 314, I feel like the Cardinals are Charlie Brown and Flaherty is Lucy with the football. Yeah, kind of the way it is. Yeah. It really does feel like that. Start, stop, start, stop. Um, from the 618, I'm worried that Jack Flaherty will never pitch for the Cardinals again. I, I'm concerned about that, too. And I'm concerned in the same fashion about Alex Reyes. And he might come back. Here's my thing. We all saw what happened and what unfolded with Mark Mulder. 
my concern is that he does go down and he tries to rehab and he looks good again and then the same thing occurs like occurred with Mark Mulder and it's it's awful for the guy because Jack I know there's a lot of people that don't like him in town but he's a good guy and Mark Mulder is a, a good guy and I hate to see people who have so much promise and they, they love what they do but they're deprived of that because physically they're just incapable of going out and doing it. And it's not like there's a simple fix like a no. Tommy John, which isn't in a simple fix, but it's a fix that you know that has had a high success. Exactly. Rate. With with this injury, it's just something that persists and that there isn't yeah. a, a hard cure for, which is what's really frustrating, I'm sure, for Jack. From the 314, Jack Flaherty isn't the pitcher you guys wish him to be. He's living off one fantastic half of baseball and has otherwise been injured or just just good, but far from great. Well, I, I would argue that full season where he had the 2.75 earned run average and finished top five in the Cy Young voting, I would argue that that was a really good season. And his ascent to St. Louis was very, very good. Uh, yes, his first full year in the majors was fantastic. Then you had the uh, the COVID year. I would argue, uh, if you can send me in a name that, of somebody who had a magnificent year in the COVID year. I'd, I'd like to see it. And then, yeah, he has been hurt. But when he's been healthy, I mean, that texture would have never wanted Chris Carpenter to be on the Cardinals. Right? Because of his injuries? Yeah. He, he came here. He'd been hurt in 01. He was hurt in 02. <laughs> he was hurt in 03. He had had one reasonable season before that. And he was valuable to the Cardinals because they recognized the talent. But if that's if you want to give up on talent, that's cool. But then don't get mad at the Cardinals for the guy going somewhere else and succeeding like Chris Carpenter did when he left Toronto for St. Louis. And speaking of Chris Carpenter, I think most Cardinals fans have a lot of reverence for Chris Carpenter. I would expect most Cardinals fans to have a lot of reverence for Bob Gibson. Yeah. When those two Cardinal greats see something in Jack Flaherty from, from a talent standpoint, from a makeup standpoint, that they want to pour into him and be mentors to him, doesn't that tell you all you need to know? Yeah, if, yeah. if you don't trust Jean Mosellac's opinion of somebody, do you trust Bob's, Bob Gibson, RIP? Do you trust his opinion of a pitcher? Because I would. Yeah, more than mine. More than mine, too. <laughs> I'll tell you that. From the 314, last one, Randy. Losing Flaherty is tough, but hopefully if Mo and company did their job right, Steven Matz will step in when he's healthy and pitch better than he did earlier in the season. I think the Cardinals have had bad luck in losing multiple relievers and two starters. Not all of this is their fault. I, I would agree with that, and hopefully... Matt, who, by the way, does have an injury history as well. Hopefully he does come back. And he's healthy and can provide something. But I still think even if you get him back, the Cardinals know it, need to go and get a one or a two. And that's a hard get. I mean, Max Scherzer got traded at the deadline last year. Max Scherzer's not walking through that door here. No, he's not. Um, but I don't want to go into the second half hoping that Steven Matz is healthy, I mean, healthy and hoping that he can pitch again. This is not the year to sail into the second half on a, on a hope and a prayer. And, you need something concrete. And by the way, you're, you're locked in with Palante in that rotation now, aren't you? Yes. It's, it's Wayno, it's uh, Hudson, it's Michaelis, and it's Palante. And then whether it's Libertor or Zach Thompson or somebody else, uh, you're going to have two guys that you weren't planning on having in your rotation in your rotation. Thanks, Michelle. And it. we appreciate your text. Coming up, Chris Kerber talking a little NHL Blues free agency. The Voice of the Blues is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We 
Michelle and Randy with you. We go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, joining us on the day after the Stanley Cup was awarded to the Colorado Avalanche. Good morning, Kerbs. How are you doing? Randy, I'm doing well. How are you? Everything's great here. And uh, let's start with this, because the Blues did get eliminated, and this isn't the first time this has happened, by the eventual Stanley Cup champions. And we've said it all along that uh, if Bennington doesn't get hurt, the Blues certainly could have and should have beaten Colorado. Do you think they would have beaten Tampa? Do you think this was a Stanley Cup championship Blues team if Bennington is between the pipes? I, I, I said all along throughout the regular season, I, I said it through the playoffs, I still believe it, haven't watched the playoffs now. If the Blues could have gotten past Colorado, they, they easily, yes, they could have beaten Tampa, they could have won a Stanley Cup. No doubt in my mind that they were a Stanley Cup championship caliber team this year, and that's even with some of the flaws that, that they had. You know, now I don't, look, we, you definitely like to think with the way Jordan Bennington was playing, that you had a that you had a good chance, uh, an even better chance, and you took Colorado to six games as it was. Um, you know, the Colorado Avalanche just beat the best goaltender in the world in Andre Vasilevsky. So put it all into perspective. Who knows if the Blues win that series with a healthy Jordan Bennington or not. But, yeah, I do believe that if the Blues had gotten past them, that they could have won a Stanley Cup. Well, with that being said, Curbs, and your confidence level in this group, what do you think the Blues' most pressing need is this offseason? Same as it's been, uh, you know, you, you got to first figure out what you're doing with David Perron, you know, and then, then you've got to look and see if you can find a little more consistency in something you're confident in, I think, on the top, uh, somewhere in your top four defensively with a left-handed shot. So um, I think those same needs and those same questions that, that, that kind of you had you were trying to fill and then you addressed with Nick Letty remain those question marks going into the off season. And then the reason for that uh, is, is your core is still under contract and in good shape. So I, you know, the, the priorities still, I think, remain, you know, at least in my opinion, Perron one, the defenseman two, and then you figure out what you're doing. by uh, Billy Huso signs somewhere else or he resigns with you guys. And Curbs, I, I look at Letty and I feel really good about what he did from the time that he got here until the end of the season. That being said, I, I felt pretty good about Scandella too, although that season was shortened by COVID. But I would not be uncomfortable if I were in the Blues' shoes giving him a pretty good contract to come back. He seems to be a really – now, would I go six and a half like their top three defensemen are making? Probably not. But he seems like a really good fit in that top four with Falk, Krug, and Pareko. Well, he was a good fit. He has experience. He's uh, – you know, he had gone to the conference finals a couple of times in a row. You know, I, I just think that I think they'd like to find somebody that's got a little more size and maybe a little more dynamic. Um, so I and, and, and I think some the stuff is going to be out there. And again, now, one of the reasons that that Nick Letty deal ended up being so important was because of the injuries to Marco Scandella. And frankly, some of the inconsistencies you've seen from Marco, you know, so I don't know if they're completely confident saying, hey, we're fine if Marco's in our top four. Um, in right now, um, and I think we saw that as these playoffs went along. So clearly, you know that Doug Armstrong values defensive depth. You saw what they did. I mean, at times Carl Gunnarsson was a healthy scratch, and then he's coming from the press box into your top pairing with Alex Petrangelo. They, Doug Armstrong, he's been general manager of this team long enough that you know his mo. They value defensive depth. They value size. And they value, you know, some of that, that grit and toughness that you need back there. So 
I, I still think that if there's a way for them to upgrade even beyond Nick Letty, I could see them looking for that. Curbs, put yourself in Doug Armstrong's shoes. I'm sure they're very nice shoes, but <laughs> um, Billy Husa was so great for the Blues, but I think a lot of fans out there are assuming that it just won't be feasible for the Blues to retain him. If you were Army, would you think that that was something that you should try to do, try to find a way to extend him? Well, I'm, you know, Doug Armstrong got asked, Michelle, in his press conference at the end of the year, do you see your, from a staff salary cap standpoint, can you keep Peron, Letty, and Husa? And he looked right into the microphone or in the cameras and said, no. <laughs> I mean, he actually answered with, uh, well, we'd like to see what we can do. No, he just said, no, I don't think we can. So I'm like, okay, that, that's a heck of a straightforward reply. Um, you know, Billy Huso's an interesting one because the, the fact that Jordan Bennington took over that net in the playoffs kind of makes you think that, okay, there's still some question marks around Billy, and, and, and justifiably so from a playoff standpoint. And look at the all-around goaltending situation in the National Hockey League. You know, Sergei Bobrovsky hasn't lived up to his contract by any means with the Florida Panthers. Terry uh, Price didn't live up to his hasn't lived up to his contract year in year out with, with those big ten million dollar a year contracts with the Montreal Canadiens. You know, I, I I think that the 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 big time length of signing contracts. You know, look at what Vegas is dealing with with Robin Leonard, for example. You know, uh, so. To me, I think it's an interesting one because would, if you're the Blues, would you like to sign Billy to another couple of years while you continue to maybe have Joel Hofer grow in the minors? Absolutely. But I think Billy's going to get enough looks where there's a chance he, he does get priced out of what the Blues would be willing to pay him. Uh, just and, and that's the business side of it. So I part of me is just right now still feeling that I would be surprised that he does remain with the St. Louis Blues. And... Curbs, in regards to the young players, you mentioned Hofer and uh, Charlie Lindgren. Boy, what a great run Springfield had in the AHL playoffs going all the way to the Calder Cup finals before losing to Chicago. But the Blues do have a lot of good young players, despite the fact that the Blues have been really good. It's remarkable that they are able to bring as many young players up to the NHL as they do. You know what, Randy, they did have a heck of a season down there. And look at Dakota Joshua. I mean, it was... Not quite Keenan-like yo-yo back and forth to the Myers, right? But it was a heck of a year for him for five or six different call-ups, and then they go on that deep run. And a deep run like that in, in the American Hockey League is extraordinarily good you know, for their experience level as well. And, and I think you got to give James Neal a lot of credit for leading by example what he did down there. Charlie Lindgren had a heck of a season. Joel Hofer saw some you know, Calder Cup playoff, Calder Cup final games. And, you know, so there was a lot of valuable experience there. A guy like Joel Hofer, I got to think the Blues would like to keep him down there playing a little bit longer and not being a backup up here in the National Hockey League. I haven't circled back yet on where they think uh, Charlie Lindgren is in terms of him being an option, potentially if Billy Huso were to go. But whether it be a Tanner Capsick, whether whether it be some of these younger guys, you know, I, I think Clint Costin was just okay. Not great, so we'll see, you know, the role that, that, that he fits in there. But we saw Callie Rosen, the impact he could have here, and the Blues re-signed him. There, there is some good depth that the Blues are continuing to develop. And when you can get a team that goes on a deep run at that level, it, that, that, that experience is extraordinarily valuable. And by the way, in the playoffs, uh, in 18 games, Costin had eight points, four goals, four assists. And notably, Curbs, I thought, 32 penalty minutes. So he was playing a physical brand of hockey. 
Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing he does. It, it just became consistent, just not consistent enough up here, Randy. And so, and when they saw what Torochenko was able to do, Torochenko basically took over some spots. He, he, he yeah. stole positions and did what you hope young guys would do. Come on up, be given an opportunity, and say, you know, do the old Vince Coleman. You know, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Maxville, but I'm, I'm here to stay. You're right. So uh, that, that's what Torepchenko did. It's going to be an interesting offseason because I, I do know that I got to think that the Blues want to address some of that consistency. And so whether they're looking at I am Dakota Joshua as, as a center on the fourth line, Torepchenko on the wing, there's obviously clearly some good size. They like those players. Do they have the confidence to have them become the regular roles at the NHL level? You still need four lines to roll and win a Stanley Cup in the National Hockey League. And, and I think the Blues still have some consistency issues to figure out with their young guys. Hey, Curbs, one last thing before we let you go, because the draft is coming up. And uh, Doug Armstrong likes to have young assets. I would think that with O'Reilly and Tarasenko and Barbashev approaching UFA next year and what you have this year with uh, Perron and perhaps Letty, I would think the Blues would want to have as many young, inexpensive assets as possible. Would it surprise you if they would make a move to go for it in 2022-2023 by moving a draft choice in this draft? No, not at all. And, and Randy, because and, and, and I've, been, I, I've been saying this for a while, at some point you're going to move what's going to be a really good player to keep yourself in that championship window because youth is still youth and it's hard to win with too much youth in your lineup. That's, that's the bottom line. So to me, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Now, look, the Blues have had some tremendous success uh, drafting in, in, in the second half. As a matter of fact, yeah, I, I did a little bit of draft, you know, looking up over the last couple of days here. You know, since 2005, the Blues have had 18 first-round draft picks. Eric Johnson was the 10th of those 18 picks that have won a cup, either with the Blues or with another team. Eller winning with Washington, for example. Cole winning with uh, Pittsburgh. A couple there with, with them. Uh, but e- even more importantly, you go back since Doug Armstrong took over in 2010, and you look at the drafting that he has done, there's been something like 79 total draft picks, 30 of which have played at least a game in the National Hockey League. But Randy... What's amazing to me is you go and you look at their first-round picks, and of all the first-round picks that they have taken, every single one but two has been impactful. I have via trade to another team that's brought in a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, for example, Tage Thompson for Ryan O'Reilly. Or they've won a Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues. And so there, there is tremendous value, and the Blues have been excellent at finding good players from 15 on in the NHL draft. And so that I, I, that's why I still think that it's important to watch what the Blues do here because it's okay if they trade down, maybe they trade up, maybe they trade that first-round pick for a player. But when you look at the success they've had in the second and the third rounds with the Jordan Kairos, with the Colton Parecos, the Joel Edmondsons, the, the Jordan Benningtons, and that list goes on and on, they've been really, really good replenishing their team with second third and late first round picks when most teams have not been able to do that and so that's why I think you're comfortable if they do decide to trade an asset to get something that can be more impactful at the NHL level right now. Curbs, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have an awesome day out there, guys. Well, what, a, what, a great, uh, what a great organization, Folds of Honor. is. hope you guys have a great day. 
Thank you very much. We do appreciate that. Yep. And Chris Kerber joins us on 101 ESPN. We are at the Folds of Honor Golf Tournament at Whitmore, and the fight is coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. St. Louis, the time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It is time for the fight, and we have a returning fighter on this Monday. Uh, you may remember Adam. He won on Friday. He beat Randy 4-2. to two. He got all four correct versus Megamind. I see him across the room here at Whitmore. We're at the Folds of Honor Golf Tournament, and Randy is, um, looks like he is loading up on some bacon. So <laughs> he is in our cone of silence here, and let's welcome in Adam. Adam, good morning. How you doing? Good, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much. Are you ready to take on Randy for the second time? Uh, sure. Let's have some fun with it. All right. Let's do it. Let's ha- definitely have some fun. Question number one for Adam. What quarterback led the 2015 St. Louis Rams in wins? Was it Austin Davis, Case Keenum, or Nick Foles? Surprisingly, won any game during that stretch. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Case Keenum. All right, number two. While Derek Jeter won both an All-Star game and World Series MVP, he never won the AL MVP. Which Minnesota twin beat him out for the 06 AL MVP award, the only time he ever finished second? Was that Johan Santana, Joe Maurer, or Justin Morneau? It was Justin Morneau. Okay, Adam, question number three. Which tight end was the first to ever hit 10,000 receiving yards? Was that Ozzie Newsome, Shannon Sharp, or Tony Gonzalez? believe it was... Tony Gonzalez. And which UNC Tar Heel was drafted ahead of Darren Williams with the number two overall pick in the 2005 NBA draft? Was that Michelle's favorite Sean May, <laughs> Michelle's other favorite Raymond Felton, or Michelle's third favorite Marvin Williams? Uh, I hate this question. Sorry, Michelle. That's all right. Thank you. Uh, we'll go with May. Sean May, what a jerk. <laughs> All right, I'm texting Matt our confirmation to make sure that we have the right score. Matt, we good? Yes, we're good. Okay, let me wave in Randy. He's across the way. Last thing I saw, he was eating some bacon. Uh, Let's see if we can pry him away from the buffet to participate in a fight. He's shaking hands and kissing babies over there. Everybody loves Randy. Adam, how do you feel after your second time completing the fight? Kind of like how we all feel about Kroenke winning anything. (laughs) So terrible. (laughs) Terrible, yeah. Terrible, yeah. Not a great day. Uh, Randy, please say good morning to Adam. You remember him. He beat you 4-2 to two on Friday. Yeah, he ruined my weekend, Adam. <laughs> good to have you with us. How you doing? Uh, I'm all right. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Are you ready, Randy? I'm ready. I saw you over there at the buffet. Some bacon in your, in your plate? Bacon, yeah, yeah, I saw it. piece of bacon. All right. Because uh, you're playing golf today. I, I got to have the protein. You, you know? need to have the sustenance. Let's go. Yeah. Let's see if we'll carry through the fight. Question number one, and I bet you know this one. Well, maybe you blocked it out of your mind. 
What quarterback led the 2015 St. Louis Rams and wins? So that would be the last year that the Rams were here. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to say that it was Case Keenum, even though Nick Foles was here. I'm going to go with Case Keenum. While Derek Jeter won both an All-Star Game and World Series MVP, he never won an AL MVP. Which Minnesota twin beat him out for the 06 AL MVP award, the only time he ever finished second? 06. So was it Maurer or was it Morneau? Um... 06, I think I'm going to go with Joe Maurer. Randy, which tight end was the first to ever hit 10,000 receiving yards? Uh, let's see. First one. I don't know if our guy Jackie Smith did it. Um, let's see. Ditka, Mackie, Winslow. Um... I'll do the lifeline here just in case. Ozzie Newsome, Shannon Sharp, or Tony Gonzalez? Okay. I will go with... Um, I'll go... Wow. I'm surprised that, uh, that Kellen Winslow didn't. Um, okay. I will... I'll go with Shannon Sharp. All right, and which UNC Tar Heel was drafted ahead of Darren Williams with the number two overall pick in the 2005 NBA draft? 2005, uh, ahead of Darren Williams. I think it might have been Marvin Williams. I'll try Marvin Williams. Another tough fight between Adam and Randy. Final score was two to one. Came down to the last question. One of you got it correct and the other didn't. Did Adam ruin Randy's Monday along with his weekend? Rocky, I'll ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by High and Dry Foundation Repair, home of the non-commission-based sales force and hassle-free warranty. Randy's on remote, so he can't play a sounder today. Uh, no, I don't have anything. <laughs> I'm sorry, Adam. It was so close. What a tough fight today, but Randy did beat you two to one. It's okay. It happens. It, do, it does. You seem to be taking it well. All right, let's read our answers here. The quarterback that led the 2015 St. Louis Rams and wins is surprisingly Nick Foles. Wow. He went 4-7. and seven. Case Keenum was 3-2 and two that year. Nick Foles. St. Nick. Pretty dismal. <laughs> Man, were they bad for a long time. Derek Jeter won both an All-Star Game and World Series MVP, but he never won an American League MVP. The Minnesota Twin that beat him out for the 06 AL MVP award was Justin Morneau. He had 320 points to Derek Jeter's 306 points. The tight end that was the first to ever hit 10,000 receiving yards was Shannon Sharp. And uh, the UNC Tar Heel that was drafted ahead of Darren Williams with the number two overall pick in the 2005 NBA draft was Marvin Williams. A bunch of cheetahs those guys were. At least it wasn't Sean May. <laughs> Ugh, Sean May, my mortal enemy. Adam, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Have a great week. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Adam. Great to have you with us. Coming up with the Jack Flaherty injury and the recurrence of the injury, we want to find out what's going on. And the best guy to talk to is the injury expert, Will Carroll, who joins us next on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Parker, 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And yesterday, Jack Flaherty left the Cardinals' start that he had against the Cubs after two innings and 49 pitches. His velocity has been down since he returned from the shoulder injury yesterday after he left the game. He told Ali Marmol, the Cardinal manager, that he had a dead arm. And we thought... What better time than now to get Will Carroll, the injury expert, on the air? You can follow Will on Twitter, at Injury Expert. And, Will, it's always good to have you with us on the air here in St. Louis. Good morning, and thanks for taking the time. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. It always stinks that that means somebody got injured. Yeah. But, uh, I love coming on with you guys. We appreciate your time. And let's start with this. When you hear, uh, first of all, a guy who was shelved earlier with a slap tear, he said on yeah. Twitter that he had been pitching with a slap tear for years, and then you see a reduction in velocity and a dead arm. What's it make you think? Yeah, the dead arm actually is a good thing. You know, what I was worried about most is that he had gone gone back into that lower slot and was putting pressure on that what's been an asymptomatic uh, labrum tear. Uh, they should know that. Uh, they've got data. They've got a number of systems that could let them do that. Plus, the coaches have to be watching him closely. Dead arm is one of those things that, that it's difficult for people to understand, but it's really pretty simple. It just means the muscles haven't quite recovered. We've all gone and worked out one day, and then the next day, man, you're, it feels like your legs weigh 1,000 pounds each. So that's pretty much the same thing. The arm just hasn't recovered. And you see this most often at the start of the season. Well, this kind of is the start of Flaherty's season after missing the first almost three months. So seeing this kind of thing that, not that it was painful, but that it was dead, uh, we know how to get guys back from that. Uh, labrum tears, less so. So, Will, those two things are, in fact, connected because after the game yesterday, we were told that the dead arm was something that wasn't connected to what Flaherty was dealing with prior. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where if, if it is, in fact, dead arm, which is just a, a lack of recovery, uh, I hate to say it's good, but it's certainly a lot better than a slap tear that's opening up uh, that's something that would have to be fixed surgically. Uh, you know, with that arm, you can come back from that in a matter of days if you do the right things. Will Carroll, the injury expert, with us on 101 ESPN. Now, Will, the Cardinals brought Flaherty back. You mentioned that he didn't have a spring training. They brought him back after two minor league rehab starts. He said that he wanted to uh, stretch things out with intensity. Uh, what did you think of that when they brought him back after he got up to 45 pitches? I thought it was smart because, you know, really over the last few years, we've learned that these rehab starts don't really accomplish much. Yeah, you're out there against some competition, but I don't think Jack Flaherty was really uh, challenged by the hitters he was facing. Uh, you see guys, uh, you know, Chris Sale pitching in the Florida Complex League. The fact that he struck out six is actually kind of disappointing. Shouldn't he be taking those, uh, you know, single-A kids and wiping the floor with them? Uh, so what I like to see is that they use the, their uh, pitchers creatively. If you can't find a way to take 45 or 50 pitches of Jack Flaherty in a world where most pitchers don't go five, six innings in most starts, uh, I think if a guy is pitching well, if he's got his stuff back but just doesn't have his endurance back, why not use that at the major league level where it can really help you? So, well, what would you expect the next step to be for Jack Flaherty and his recovery? I, the medical team is going to go to work on this. If, if what they determine is this is that the labrum tear he has remains asymptomatic. That means 
the, the labrum itself, that little piece of cartilage in the shoulder does have the tear, but it's not bothering anything. Well, you leave it alone. Um, it's like having a rock in your shoe. It's not really bothering you yet, but it might. Um, if it's dead arm, there's a lot of things they can do to help with the recovery, to help get the energy back in that arm. Uh, it's basically like recharging a battery. Uh, and over the next hours, days, potentially weeks, though, usually you can get around this, uh, you can get that thing fired back up. Uh, and then, you know, he's just got to get back in and do the work. That's never really been a question with Larry. And, and Will, I know every injury and every person is different, but from your perspective of this, would you expect to see Jack Flaherty pitch again this season? Yeah, this season, yes. Uh, it's a question of, you know, is he going to need some time on the injured list? Is he going to need more rehab work? Uh, are they going to have to basically shut him down for a few days, a few weeks uh, to get that arm back where it needs to be? And he's valuable enough in the long term that you're going to take that that long view on this. But I think we're going to see him back. Uh, I, I don't think this is going to be an extended absence. It's just unfortunate that it's an absence at all. And Will, one last thing from me, and that's in regards to that slap tear. Uh, because normally we hear uh, a, sl- uh, a tear in the shoulder and we think if a pitcher has it and keeps yeah. pitching, inevitably it's going to get worse. Is that the case or not the case with this? Yes and no. I mean, first, it's asymptomatic. Uh, so, you know, it's been there. It's been known. A lot of pitchers have these. Uh, shoulders takes a lot of wear and tear. And that labrum does not heal. Uh, it heals a little bit, but not well. So it's not going to get better by itself. So the only way to go is worse. What you want to do is keep it asymptomatic, keep it from growing and becoming a real problem that does have to be fixed surgically. Uh, So this isn't uncommon, uh, but you'd certainly rather not have it. Will Carroll, it's always good to get your knowledge on the air here in St. Louis. We appreciate your time this morning. We know that you're busy and we'll let you get back to work and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Next time a guy is injured, we're going to have Will Carroll, the injury expert on. I am. I hope I never have to talk to him again. <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> Great information, but I just hope that we never have an injury like well, this again. And in general, uh, from my perspective, good news, right? If, if the dead arm is not a bad thing and it's like a battery that needs to be recharged, if that's what it is, that's a really good thing. I was very encouraged by what Will Carroll just told us because I think from the outside, we're not medical experts. When we hear a dead arm and he's pulled after two innings, you're thinking, oh boy, this is something that is going to persist. This is something that he's not necessarily going to be able to work through. But to hear Will Carroll say that's a good thing, that's just an indicator that the muscles aren't 100% built back up yet. I don't think it should change the Cardinals' approach. I still think that they should be very active at the trade deadline, going out and fortifying their pitching staff. But I do think if you can in any way get Jack Flaherty back and healthy by the end of the year, that's yeah. just a cherry on top of the Sunday. No doubt about it. We've got Jeff Brown coming up. Michelle, one quick question for you. I was watching yesterday, watching the Giants game. You know, my son Patrick is a San Francisco Giants fan. Yes. Logan Webb is pitching for them, and I was wondering, if Logan Webb goes to med school, gets his doctorate, does he become WebMD? <laughs> Dr. WebMD. Yes, he does, in fact. How long did you have that one? Were you waiting for this segment for that? Was, yeah. Pretty good, Randy. That's pretty good. He would be WebMD. Thank you for that. Jeff Brown, former Blue, who's here at the golf tournament today, joins us next on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. To the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seidenstricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. 903 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. Michelle, I just found out who's going to win this uh, golf tournament today. We're at the Folds of Honor Golf Tournament presented by the Suntrip Automotive Group, and I know who's going to win. Tell me. It's going to be the hockey group with Bernie Federico, Barrett Jackman, uh, Bobby Gassoff, and here's Jeff Brown. <laughs> Brownie, good to see you. How are you guys? Everything's great. Uh, yeah. First of all, thanks for being out here and uh, uh, being a part of Folds of Honor. It really is amazing what they do. Unbelievable. Uh, what a great charity. My daughter, Jenna, she's been uh, giving back and helping out a little bit, and that's how we kind of got involved in this. And uh, my son, Logan, as well. Um, so it's what a great charity, and, and to take care of the people that take care of us is just uh, phenomenal. How did you first get involved with Folds of Honor? Well, my daughter, you know, kind of talked to uh, my son again, Logan, and I, and just kind of you know what a great charity and she always she's been a giver her whole life and uh said uh you know and and you know the guys that we used to play with back in the day i mean this this stuff is easy this this is the good stuff this is why we we play and be a part of things and uh and help out the community and and brownie it's amazing how hockey never ends now does it with with logan and he he wanted to be here today but he's doing hockey stuff right yeah he's down actually with clayton keller in arizona they got something going on down there where he couldn't make it back but uh us old fat guys we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna fill up the foursome and have a little fun today okay so who is the best golfer out of your foursome today you know what i haven't played with bernie in a while but Jax is a hell of a player um you know but bernie's a good player too uh you know, I was thinking about what forced them, and I was thinking of guys that were pretty good hockey players and, and pretty good golfers at the same time, and I never even thought of Bobby Gassoff, who, not that he was a bad hockey player or golfer, but like, he's an American hero, right? Being a, a Navy SEAL for all those years and, and giving to our country and keeping us safe. I mean, that's, that's the special stuff, so we're, we're really hap- happy to have Bobby with us today. Uh, Jeff Brown has had so much success coaching youth hockey and the, the Blues alumni does an amazing job and you were telling me when we were off the air uh, now you've got uh, will we can we call it kind of a quasi general manager role is that, is that the way sure. it works yeah yeah AAA hockey uh, the alumni way before me started it and uh, we, we brought it to basically a, a peak there in the with that 96 97 98 team you know that draft year where we had five first rounders and and the following i guess two years later brady was a, f- a fifth over fourth overall so um we just kind of had left and and things were not where they used to be and they'll never be because that was just so special but we just want to make sure that you know we're doing things right and doing the right thing for the kids and the family uh more importantly and and just trying to develop skill and develop hockey players and getting us back to to where we were and and uh, really enjoying it kind of overseeing all the coaching staffs and and uh you know talk what what's been successful for me as a coach and just trying to kind of pass it down and and helping the guys as best i can 
I want to go back to your son, Logan. You mentioned that he's still doing hockey stuff now. It's a full-time job. Obviously, you played. You're still involved in hockey, so there's a, a great reference that he has with you. But what's the biggest difference now when you see what he has to deal with while he's playing than what you dealt with when you were playing? Well, it's so easy. I mean, in the summertime, it was it was golf and beer and cigars <laughs> and having fun and getting in shape at camp. But now it's a it's a year-round job for these guys. It's just incredible the speed of the game and you know it's just I I remember his first game when he got called up and uh, my my friend Grant Ambley was nice enough to put me in the second row and to see the speed like I hadn't been down there in years and to see the speed of this game now is just truly incredible I mean they're all great athletes and if you're not if you're if you're not you know nine percent and and fast you just can't play well that's the amazing thing is that you guys used to finish practice at Brentwood, and right after practice, it was down the street to the train wreck, and then you moved out to Chesterfield. <laughs> don't, tell, don't tell all our secrets. Please do. It was literally, I, I mean, you, you couldn't do 9% if you were a Blues player oh at God, that point, no. right? <laughs> we had too much fun. <laughs> That's the thing. That, that was going to be my point, is uh, uh, observing you guys back in the, the 90s and then observing player, uh, athletes in general today, there's a lot that has changed, but you guys had so much fun. Yeah, no, and we, and what a group of guys, too. Like, all kind of young, single, you know, Holly and Otzi and Shani and uh, Nelson Emerson, Cujo. Um, I think the only guy married back then was uh, was Garth Butcher, my partner. <laughs> but, but he had to, he liked to have more fun than anyone. So, no, we, listen, we, uh, we did everything. And, and uh, Tracy Lovaz and Susie Matthew had us in the, in the community all the time. And we loved it. We loved it. And that's why a lot of us are back here. I mean, this was uh, my favorite place to play and favorite fan base. And that's why we live here now. Were you in the rotation to make sure that Hully got to practice, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody drive by Hully's house, make sure his car's gone, right? Uh, no, he wasn't that bad now. Come on. I, I was going to ask for a story there, but uh, yeah, we might yeah, not yeah, get yeah, it. Yeah. No, it is, is 30 years later. I yeah, can probably tell you. Come on. Right? Statue of limitations has passed. Yeah. No, Chaser's already brought that up on the show. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> I can't believe that it's like that long. Like, it's amazing, I, I got traded here in 94. That's almost 30 years ago. Like, or traded away from here in 94. Right. So came back in 2000 and kind of been here ever since. By but, the way, yeah. that must have been one of, if not the weirdest weeks of your life, right? When you got traded? Yeah. Because of everything that was going on with signing Peter Nedved, right? It was yeah. Vancouver and then the Blues. Was Janny going to go there? Yeah. And they traded you guys back to and get Janny back, right? Something like that, yeah. It's And did you realize you were in limbo at that point? So they, for whatever reason, uh, Ronnie brought in uh, Duchesne and Housley and you know i was coming off my best year of my career i made the all-star team 25 goals and i'm like what what are you doing bringing all these guys in here so i kind of saw the writing on the wall a little bit i didn't know anything uh, as far as concrete back then it was pretty private um you know today it seems like everything gets out you know but uh oh yeah my uh my wife was at the grocery store and she was in line and she heard somebody say oh they just traded jeff brown and I had a buddy from Ottawa that was down. We were playing golf, and uh, I was at the turn, and that was before cell phones, so I called Mike Caruso up. I said, are you hearing anything? He goes, no, it's pretty quiet. <laughs> I said, well, so I, I hung up, and I, uh, I told the pro, I said, if you hear anything, 
you know, come and tell me because I don't want to be stuck on the golf course, you know. Stuck, come and tell me and bring beer. So we're we're walking off the tee or the green on seventeen, and here comes the head pro oh, down yeah. the. So that's how I found out I got oh, traded. Amazing. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And then your wife already heard at the grocery store. It's oh, amazing how she information. Left all gro- well, she left all her groceries right there and just ran home because she knew how upset I'd be. Oh right? wow! I didn't want to leave. And yeah. then it actually turned out unbelievable because we went to the finals against the Rangers. Right with Vancouver and that was you know what a what a run that was but you know never wanted to leave here this is the one place of all the times I got traded that I didn't want to get traded yeah. wow well glad you're back well I want to ask you about this year's Blues they take the Colorado Avalanche to six seconds before overtime in game six obviously Colorado hoist the cup last night what do you think about the Blues and where they're at right now well that nucleus is I mean we saw what they could do three years ago and and uh, it's still together and you know, if Bennington doesn't get hurt, you never know what could have happened this year. So, you know, they're they're in the conversation with some other teams, and uh, there's no reason why a few tweaks, maybe maybe get that 22, a few more shifts yep. out there. But uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I listen. They're they're right there. All, all their key components are there, with the exception of one or two guys, and they just got to fill those spots. And um, you know, there's no reason why they can't turn around. And I mean, when you look at it, those are great teams that. Colorado just beat up pretty easily. I yeah. mean, I shouldn't say easily, but um, and we and we gave them maybe the biggest fight of them all. Yeah. By the way, Jeff, I I thought it was cool, and I want to know what you thought. You were twenty one. Logan gets twenty two. Did you like that? Yeah. Well, I was twenty two everywhere else. Oh, right? Okay. So I was twenty two in Quebec. I was twenty two in Vancouver. So it wasn't there wasn't uh, it wasn't a brand new number. Uh-huh. Let's call it. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with twenty one this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what, knowing my son, he's not going to wear one or wear twenty one. So we'll we'll see what happens. So he's a big boy. Yeah, six six and a half. <laughs> yeah, where'd that come from? <laughs> Evolution, man, it's happening. Don't it's unbelievable. Don't say it. I wonder who the oh, dad not- is. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you say that. Yeah. You just did. <laughs> Rowdy, it's always great to see you. You're you're one of my all time favorites, and I appreciate it. And uh, Michelle and I love having you on the show. Thanks. Anytime. Thanks, Jeffrey. <laughs> Take care. That is uh, the great Jeff Brown joining us on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up next, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. It is time now for... You're killing me, Smalls. Well, I guess we should start with what's really killing us, Randy. And that is that the Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions. Which which means that not only did the team that beat the Blues end up winning the Stanley Cup, not only did Nazem Kadri, the guy who knocked out Justin Falk and Jordan Bennington for the Blues in back-to-back playoffs, get to hoist the Cup. Yes, that means that Stan Kroenke has not one but two trophies in this calendar year. Kind of stinks. Now, Bill Davidson obviously did that with the 2004 Detroit Pistons and the 2004 Tampa Bay Lightning. But uh, Stan does it with the NFL and the NHL. And uh, as you tweeted, what, karma is sleeping or something like that? Karma's asleep at the wheel. Yeah, asleep at the wheel. Totally. 
you know, when I was growing up, Randy, go, going to school, going to church, they always said, if you're a good person, good things will happen. If you're a bad person, bad things are going to come back to you. And I don't know where karma is, maybe in hibernation, maybe on a summer vacation, maybe karma's at the Amalfi Coast drinking a spritz. I don't know. But karma is not active in the sports world no. right now. And thank you to at least... The, uh, the Connie Smythe winner, Kale McCarr, who went and uh, got the trophy and then skated right past Stan, who has had, had his hand out to shake his hand, and Kale McCarr just skated right past him. So that was nice to see. Well, he's probably like, who is this guy? Yeah, exactly. I've never seen him before never in my life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's he doing out on the ice? But I know a lot of St. Louisans are in their feelings today, yeah. knowing that Stan Kroenke won yet another the one. the worst. I wonder, and it's, and it's, again, it's a double pain here because it's not only Stan Kroenke and the Colorado Avalanche, but it's the guy that knocked out our goaler when yeah. when the Blues could have won another cup this year. It's just a very, very tough pill to swallow. No surprise at all that those two would be tight, right? That that McCaw, or that Kadri uh, and, and Kroenke would be peas from the same pod. I bet I bet he got a bonus under the table for probably. doing I what he did so, to yeah. Benner. Yeah, probably did a little uh, salary cap evasion there. Probably. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, Randy, the Dodgers and the Braves had a weekend series, and Freddie Freeman, who we all know, Atlanta Braves hero, was making his return back to Atlanta. And Freddie Freeman, anytime he talks about the Braves or whenever he sees the Braves or, or returns back to Atlanta, he gets very emotional. He, he cries a lot. I love a man that can show his feelings. But clearly it was a very deep emotional connection between he and Atlanta and the Braves organization. And Clayton Kershaw kind of called him out about this over the weekend. He said he's obviously been a big contributor to our team, referring to Freddie Freeman. But he said, I hope we're not second fiddle. That's interesting uh, because that would tell me that Freeman probably has, when the Braves came into L.A., it was a big deal. And uh, who it was a Dansby Swanson's son that came over and and Freeman lifted him up, and then this weekend crying and getting his World Series ring. Mm-hmm. I can see that from the standpoint of a Dodger fan or for, from a Dodger player. I, I totally get that, but I don't think that he is. That being said, I I would think that at the end of his career that Freddie Freeman will put Atlanta first. If he goes into the Hall of Fame, it's going to go in with a, a Braves cap, right? I well, who knows? If you're playing with the Dodgers, you could have a lot of success there yeah. in the second half of your career. But I, I would give the guy a little bit of a leeway. I mean, he's getting his World Series ring, mm-hmm. something he'd worked for forever. It's the presentation. It's the speech. It's going back to a place that you have nothing but great memories and great affection for. It probably won't be this way in three years. But I imagine all those emotions are still bubbling at the surface right now. Yep. And by the way, Kershaw said it, but was there a time where... Albert Pools ever as a member of the Angels said that the Angels fans were the best in baseball? No. <laughs> right. The and Angels were always, and, and Anaheim was always second fiddle. And think about if Albert came back a couple months after he mm-hmm. left St. Louis and got his presentation and all of that in St. Louis and the crowd was reacting the way the Braves crowd yep. was for Freddie Freeman. I mean, think about the emotions that Albert Pujols displayed and that was what, almost 10 years right, after right. he left and he still said that was one of the most special weekends of right. his career. And with Freeman, he was really open about wanting to come back and was really upset that the Braves yeah. didn't sign him. Right. So... You're killing me, Smalls! 
let's give him a little bit of a break. Yeah. But I, I wonder now if he might temper that down after. I think that's a good, after, especially they won't see him again this year. They won't. But so. after your teammate kind of, even if it's tongue in cheek, makes that comment yeah. publicly, I think I'd pump the yeah. brakes. Go just be a, a Dodger. Little. Yeah. Uh, he well now there's nothing left for him right. to do with Atlanta. It's done. You're killing me, Smalls. So, National Treasure, John Daly, mm-hmm. who we know and love in the St. Louis area, he is a blast. He's one of the biggest characters in sports. And, Randy, he was recently on a an OutKick podcast, and he was talking about this video that's out there where he crushes a drive out of his buddy's mouth in a parking lot, okay? <laughs> and here's the quote. He says, we were drunk as skunks. That was like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. If the PGA Tour let me play drunk, I'd win a lot more tournaments. And barefooted. If I could play the tour barefooted, that'd be nice. That is great. And I think the tour, especially now, wouldn't it be smart on their part to say, hey, John, yeah, go out and have some fun. Why wouldn't you take this as a challenge if you're the PGA Tour? I don't care what you have to do. The fans would love to see a barefooted and drunk John Daly competing. And by the way, if I'm the Live Tour, I'm offering him a bunch of money to play barefoot and drunk. No doubt. And if you're him, yes, you want to take the money, but wouldn't that just be enticing enough that you could play golf and do it your way? Yeah. And be celebrated for it? Yeah. I wonder how you could could frame that if you are the PGA, though, because obviously golf is a gentleman's sport. It's um, it's got a certain level of sophistication to it, a certain level of class to it. How could you celebrate someone like John Daly and allow him to do what he wants to do while also not taking away from that part of your sport? And there are a lot of courses out there that will not allow their players to play, play barefoot, even if it's a PGA Tour guy. Uh, I don't think that, for example, Bell Reeve, I don't think that they would want John Daly on their course playing barefoot. It's Why just not? not not a great look. It is not a great well, look, it, but it would be so fun. From our standpoint, it is. But from the uh, quote-unquote stuffy old golf people's standpoint, it's not cool. But I would tune in to watch oh, that. Man, me too. Why do they get? Why do they get to keep winning, Randy? Come on. I would, uh, yeah, I would like to play. I would pay money to play with a barefooted, drunk John Daly. Hooters at the turn, let's go. Maybe that would help my game if I would play barefoot. I may try that today. <laughs> you should. A few things ever, like, made me want to start golfing than when, like, Rory and those guys, when they were, you know, like, four or five years ago, when they were in their early 20s, would put out those videos of them going to a course shirtless and shoeless and just smacking drives all over the place, yep. screwing around, having fun. Nothing made me want to get more into golf, really, than seeing those guys just have a blast on the course than, than kind of like the stuffy stuff that it's always been known for. Happy Gilmore it up. Absolutely. I love Happy Gilmore. You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, guys, shout out to Old Miss. The Old Miss Rebels, they sweep the Oklahoma Sooners to take home their very first men's college World Series title. Congratulations to Old Miss. But Oklahoma had a couple of St. Louis kids and Max McGuire on their roster. So I was rooting for the Sooners, but I'm happy for Old Miss because they deserve to win something. Something, huh? Yeah, I mean, they, they haven't won in football lately. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Mizzou has played in two more SEC championship games than Ole Miss has. Ooh. <laughs> and they, they've been around forever. That's embarrassing if yeah. you're Ole Miss. No disrespect to Mizzou, but, I mean, that's, Never. Not, that's not a stat that you want other people in the SEC to be throwing around. No, uh, that Mizzou has competed in more SEC football, titles yeah. than you recently. Yikes. Yeah. So, And they've had a good uh, baseball program over the years, so it's cool to see them win the College World Series. And I think the way that things are shaping up now, Michelle, that Mason McGuire will probably wind up going to Oklahoma, too. Last week, 
Baseball America had their top 500 prospects, and Marcus told us that if Mason gets drafted high, he'll sign. He was not listed in the top 500 prospects by Baseball America. Man. So he might be go the direction of Max Scherzer. I was going to say, don't sleep on him, though. No. He's throwing 95, 96. That's right. So, and hey, there's there's more than 500 choices. Maybe the Cardinals will see fit to continue that McGuire legacy here in St. Louis. I think that might be a good idea. I'd like that idea. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, Michelle and I are going to welcome our friend, the voice of the Cardinals, Dan McLaughlin, to the conversation. Danny Mack is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, where our friend, the one, the only, the voice of the Cardinals, Dan McLaughlin, is standing by. He joins us every Monday morning. Danny Mack, good to have you with us. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You guys. Everything's good. I was disappointed by yesterday, all that fun and frivolity after the Cardinals had gotten the score to 5 nothing with three home runs in the fourth, and then uh, everything just kind of falls apart. And then we learn at the end of the game that Flaherty is dealing with a dead arm. It, it wound up a lot different than I thought it was going to wind up. Oh, did it ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the way to put it is uh, I said it's one of the toughest losses of the year. And the way I looked at it was that, you know, number one, you're up 5 nothing. So let's talk about the team aspect of this. All the different guys that you had to use to cover the remaining innings after Flaherty went, went out. And then you get the news that Jack Flaherty's dealing with a dead arm. And I'm just not sure you can count on him, you know, the rest of the year at this point. It, now, if it's not a health issue and it's truly a dead arm, then that's something you got to fight through. Uh, pitchers deal with it all the time. If it's something more than that, then all of a sudden there's more pressure to go out and and try to improve this club. And I I said this during the game last night or yesterday, this is a good team. It's not a great team. It's, it's pretty good. And they're in a division that is very, very winnable. And so when you've got cornerstones like Arenado and Goldie and Goldie to me is the MVP thus far of the league. Um, You've got the, the historic aspect of Molina and Wainwright and and Yachty, which is really cool and fun to watch. But then you also mix in this youth that they have. I mean, Brendan Donovan's got a chance to be the rookie of the year. You look at what's happening with a guy like Zach Thompson, who I thought pitched well yesterday. Oviedo maybe has found a home and a role. Uh, the back end of their bullpen, when healthy, is really good. Um, you know, this is the this is the missing pieces is finding guys to you know right now in that rotation. If Flaherty is out, so. It, I don't know. I, I just think it's a good team, and, and you got to do the best you can to improve it and give your chance, uh, give yourselves a chance to win the division and see what happens when you go into postseason play. I'm with you, Dan. I keep saying to Randy, if not now, when? If they're not going to be aggressive at the trade line, a trade deadline now, when? But what do you think is a more pressing concern for the Cardinals as the trade deadline does approach? Starting pitching help or bullpen help? Um, I, I think maybe a little bit of both uh, because, you know, right now, if if you're going to put Palante in the rotation, it's a massive hole that you leave in your, your bullpen. Now, can Thompson and Oviedo fill the role of Palante? Time will tell. So that eases maybe your pressure with that. Um, but if Jack Flaherty is out, yeah, I, I think the pressure is on to, to get yourself a starter and try to figure it out because, you know, Libertor is fine. He's still developing. I would assume that that would be one of the options that they have. 
They've got Connor Thomas, who's more of a guy that probably would go, uh, I would assume, you know, maybe kind of like a Packy Naughton type. I'm not sure he's necessarily a guy that's going to give you a ton of innings at the top of a rotation or in your rotation, I should say. Um, Rondon pitched yesterday, which we saw him pitch against Pittsburgh and pitch well, but he got roughed up a little bit, I believe. So he, he's been hit and miss. You know, there's just not a, at least right now, maybe not a clear-cut guy to, to throw in there. And so it, it may be, you know, where they have to go out and try to to, to get somebody. I, I know they do not want to part with prospects, and I get it. And, I, you know, they operate that way, and it's proven to be business. But uh, at some point they may have to. Who knows? And to your point, Michelle, it, I think the, the added wild card also keeps more teams in it. So are more teams going to say, hey, we have a chance to compete? We're not willing to give up some of the prospects, or I should say some of the assets that we have for prospects. Um, but there's teams out there willing to deal, I'm sure. It's just you got to get creative, and, and it's all about how much you want to deal. We'll see what they want to do. All right, Dan. The Paul Goldschmidt is having the best Cardinal season for a hitter since. Is it? Can we, do we go to Holiday? Do we go to Pujols? How, how long has it been since somebody's been this good offensively for the Cardinals? Man, I was thinking that yesterday, Randy. Is it Beltron? You know, he was awfully good. Is it Berkman that one year? He was awfully good. Um, but I don't think he was like this. Either one of those guys. I, I, I guess you'd have to go back to Albert. Probably 06 would be the year. Um, 06 was a, just an unbelievable year. And that first month, he was incredible. But remember, he got hurt. So, um you know, Goldie hasn't been hurt, and the other aspect of Goldie that you saw yesterday was his defense and his smarts. And I said this during the game, too, yesterday. Gold Glovers are, are physically gifted, obviously. Um, you don't become a Gold Glover without great hands or, or can run or the great arm, all those things. But, man, his smarts separate others in that position. And the play that he made yesterday – and knowing the situation of who to get first on the tag or touching the bag is just a, you know, another example of how smart he is in understanding the game. Um, and I, he made a play on a, an, in foul territory off the bat of Patrick Wisdom with his back to the infield. That was a tremendous play. The ball that went off the bag, tremendous play, and he stays with it. So he, uh, I was talking to Mo a couple weeks ago, I, I, you know, asking him just like, what else is there about Goldie that we're missing? And he said, it's not only his individual defense, and I, I think he's 100% right with this. It's what he's done for everybody else on that infield. How many runs he saves with a nice pick or understanding, you know, what the situation is. His throws to second on a double play. I mean, he's a calming influence over there because you know he's going to pick it. And so he's just been a tremendous, tremendous player, and the, the Cardinals are, are very lucky to have him and, and what he's been able to do and what he's able to provide. And, Dan, I look at this part of it, too, with Goldie and Wayno and Albert being back and Nolan Arenado. When we talk about going out and getting a veteran player – especially a guy that might be a five and 10 or have some protections because those guys love it here so much. I, I would think other players will be more inclined to pick St. Louis over another place. You know, if they, if they, yeah, I mean, first of all, it's what are you going to pay me? And I don't yeah. care if you send me to, you know, whatever team you want to pick, but as long as I'm getting paid, 
That's number one. And then number two, it, it does become, am I going to be competitive? And what's the atmosphere like? And sure, there's no doubt. I mean, that clubhouse with those kind of guys in there certainly makes it easier. And then I'd also say, let, let's see what these three nights, nights look like attendance-wise. You know, I've talked to Goldie about this. He said one of the great things that he loves about being in St. Louis, and it's, it's just, it's not, you know, cliche. It's not us being fans. It's the, the facts is that you can have, you know, a Monday night in June and you're going to draw you know, a decent crowd. You're going to have people there watching you. And when you're playing the Cubs, you're going to have a packed stadium. You're going to have three sellouts in a row. And the fans are engaged and the city is engaged. That that means something to players, especially guys that have been around for a long time to where they get into an atmosphere and they're like, man, this is, this is pretty cool. I like it. And uh, I, I'm enjoying it. So to your point, Randy, I think all those factors do come into play if you're trying to get somebody for sure. Dan, there's a lot of star power on this team, a lot of really um, accomplished players, but I wonder how many people that tune in to you to watch a Cardinals game night in and night out are telling their friends, Brendan Donovan is my favorite player on this Cardinals team. It feels like every night, Dan, there's some call you make of Brendan Donovan having some sort of spectacular play that impacts the game. I'd say he's one of them, and the other guy's Tommy Edmond. Yeah. So when when people talk about this team, I mean, I've heard it from a lot of, lot of people that they say, you know, my, my favorite guy, you know, I love Albert, I love Yachty, love watching Wayno every fifth day. Um, it's cool seeing what Goldie and Arnado are doing. They're, they're two of my favorites. But, man, I love watching Tommy Edmund. That's the guy that they talk about so much. And I do think that when I watch Donovan to an extent, he's kind of a throwback. You know, you, you can put him in any position, and he's going to play well. And he's, he's drawing walks, which you love to see. He does little things properly. Um, and so, yeah, I'm with you. He just seems to be the kind of player that people gravitate towards because they like watching, you know, smart baseball players and guys that perform. And, and he's been fun. I mean, he's kind of an outlier in the fact that there's going to be a regression to the mean. You would think at some point he's going to have some kind of, you know, stretch of, of not performing well at the plate. But it hasn't happened yet. And his ability to hit with two strikes is amazing. Um, his fact, uh, the fact is, is that he'll, he'll go deep into account and maybe he's kind of an outlier of 2022. So we shouldn't see a regression as I say that just because of some of the things I just mentioned, he's not going to swing and miss a lot, puts the ball in play. Um, and he can play him every, everywhere in the diamond. So he's a, he's a fun player to watch. I love it. Dan, finally, what are you hearing about Yachty? Um, I'm hearing that he's down in Puerto Rico. Uh, I would expect him to be back at some point. You know, my guess, just kind of taking it, and it's, this is completely a guess, but we'll see him in the second half at some point. Um, you know, we're, we're not that far away from the end of the first half, guys. I was just looking at this, that our next road trip, I believe, is the final road trip before uh, the All-Star break. So the All-Star break is almost here. So I would assume we see him in the second half at some point, and uh, – at that point, you know, we'll see how his health is, how the knees are, and, and go from there. But I, I do think we're going to see him before the season is over play for the Cardinals, no doubt. Danny Mack, looking forward to tonight, the Cardinals and the Marlins on Ballet Sports. We will be tuned in, and we always love talking to you. We'll see you later. All right, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. You too. That is the great Dan McLaughlin on 101 ESPN. We're going to head down the stretch towards a balloon party with T Mack and Ajax. That's next on 101 ESPN. To the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
Michelle and I would like to thank our friends at the Suntrip Automotive Group and Folds of Honor for having us out here at Whitmore Country Club for the Folds of Honor Golf Tournament today. Always great to see the people that are involved. And Michelle, what an incredible endeavor Folds of Honor is to provide scholarships to family members of military people that are lost in the line of duty. Who gave the ultimate sacrifice. And we should be so grateful to these families and to the men and women of our country that, that sacrificed their lives to protect our freedom. But this is such a great organization organization, Randy, and I'm so thrilled that we were able to be out here again for the second year in a row. I hope we make it an annual tradition because this is an organization we want to continue to support. Yeah, they're, they're great to deal with. And by the way, if you do stop by Schnooks and pick up some groceries, uh, please uh, take it upon yourself if you have the wherewithal to round up at the register, give 40 cents. And it, it, all of us doing that makes a big difference for Folds of Honor. Speaking of charitable endeavors, Michelle, I want to provide a shout out to our friend Donnie Fandango. Yes, Donnie. All right. He's he's one of the nicest people in our building. He works for both the Arch and 105.7 The Point. And every year he does a radiothon to benefit Ronald McDonald House. Last week he was on the air for 28 consecutive hours and Donnie was able to raise $68,224 for Ronald McDonald House. Amazing. And Donnie is the face of this and does so much, but there's so many people behind the scenes, our sales staff and so many people like you, Randy, I know that that go in to help and the phones and help Donnie out. But it really is one of the best things that our cluster does every year because it, it's so many people coming together to help Donnie in this very amazing endeavor. And shout out to him. I don't know. I wonder how many cups of coffee he has in 28 hours. Yeah, I couldn't do 20. I could not stay up for 28 straight hours. I can't either. Well, actually, maybe I could. Yeah, back in the day, maybe. So I think about those late night blues games where there were those Mm -hmm. 8.50 starts and you're not really going to bed until at least midnight one. And then some of those games I would be too amped and Mm -hmm. I couldn't sleep. And then I'm up by 4.45, 5. So maybe I could do 24. But those extra, those last four are probably unbearable. Yeah, it's very, very difficult. Meanwhile, we'll get more word, I'm sure, today on... Uh, Jack Flaherty. And by the way, if you didn't hear our interview with Will Carroll, you can check it out at 101ESPN.com or on our app. And all of our podcasts are brought to you by Dobbs Tyron Auto Center. I feel a little bit better about Flaherty after talking with Will Carroll. I feel much better. To me, that's the takeaway from the show today is that we talked to an independent medical expert who was an injury expert Mm -hmm. who said that this is actually a good thing, that the dead arm sensation that Jack Flaherty experienced yesterday is actually a good thing when it comes to these slap tears in his recovery. Better than than pain, no doubt about it. But, Michelle, I, I will say this. Shy of a move for a starting pitcher, if the Cardinals don't have Jack Flaherty, they aren't going to they aren't going to win in the playoffs. They might make the playoffs with the group of players that they have, but you need that guy at the front of your rotation in the playoffs. I think you have it in Adam Wainwright. I know he's not the, the typical ace. I, I know that he's not Jack Flaherty, that guy that we saw in the second half of 2019 that can be absolutely dominant and strike fear in, in another team the way that Jack Flaherty can or that a Max Scherzer can. But do you not think Adam Wainwright is going to go out there and set the tone and get a win for the Cardinals or at least put them in a position to win? I think Wainwright can set the tone. He has a postseason pedigree, as does Jack Flaherty. When he pitched in the playoffs, he was terrific. But it's moving beyond those guys. I don't know at that time of year what Miles Michaelis will be. 
And I, even if I anticipate that he's going to be great, it's the people beyond those two. Michaelis? Uh, yeah. Beyond, be, after Michaelis and Wayno, mm-hmm. how do I feel about Dakota Hudson in the playoffs? Stephen Matz. walks a lot of people. Stephen Matz, Palante. I just don't know. I think you need to have a, a, a big three, and I, I just don't, I'm not seeing it for the Cardinals right now. Maybe Hudson will find his control and become a, a really good pitcher. I hope he does. But I know what Flaherty is capable of when he's healthy. And nobody on this, in, in, on this staff is capable of doing what Jack Flaherty can do when he's healthy. Yeah, I just hope that even though we got positive news today on Jack Flaherty, or at least what we deem to be positive, yeah. based, positive we, news. We hope it's positive. Based on how we felt this morning, I think we're feeling a little bit better having. Because when the Cardinals say, oh, this is unrelated, that, you know, anytime the Cardinals are going to tell me they're not concerned about an injury, my alarm bells goes go off. Mm-hmm. Because usually that means we should brace ourselves for something. However... I hope the Cardinals are not taking that approach. I hope that they're not taking the, well, this is good news. This is part of, of the process. This, the dead arm is not something that's going to be season-ending. I hope that they're looking at this as a warning shot, and they're saying if we get anything from him in the second half in the postseason, that's a bonus, and we will take it. But we are not going to rely on that. I don't want to go into the second half if I'm the Cardinals having to say if – yeah. I don't want there to be hope. I you, want there to be someone that I feel confident in. You can never have too much pitching. And even if he's healthy, if you get another guy, it's not a bad thing. Guy or uh, guys, that would be a starter and a reliever. Great job today. Uh, both uh, Grant Francis and Dodie Rallman got up early so that uh, <laughs> we could early. be on the air out here at Whitmore. We thank their hard work and great work as always. Back at the studio by our producer and engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. And Michelle, this was great. Thanks for coming out. Oh my gosh, I was so happy to be here, Randy, and just do the show a favor, hit him well today at the tournament. I'll do my best. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, back in the studio, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.